on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick are getting more special than usual to close out 2022 thanks to two planned special topic segments to finish off this Star Wars year in style. They'll kick things off with their 11 Rogue One characters that need to be in Andor Season 2 segment and then roll right into their top 11 Star Wars moments of 2022. For those that prefer to hate Star Wars, worry not, they'll have a few bad moments to recap as well. Once through the specials, they'll dive into some juicy Ahsoka series rumors in regards to the world between worlds. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody, it's the holiday version of the Star Wars Time Show, Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, you name it, we celebrate them all because we see you. I see you. Just like Jake Suli sees Neytiri. All right, my friends, so just like we promised last week, we've got an action-packed SWTS to close out 2022. Yes, Shame on you if you don't know the news, but this is going to be our last broadcast of the year. So if you like the streaming, let's play. Just put out the, uh, the high sign or, or the smoke signals went up on IG. We're here for the next at least two hours, I imagine. Live streaming right here on YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. But of course, we'll put out the uh, audio only version on our podcast platforms the following day. But this is it. If you're trying to get your, you know, your, 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 your last hit of that SWTS crack in 2022 before the big guy comes or whoever delivers presents or, uh, you know, makes people happy around this time of year, this is your chance. Okay. Cause we are, we're taking next week off and we don't give a shit what any of you say. <laughs> All right. We're tired of it. Especially you cocksuckers on Instagram that keep telling us how to run our fucking page. We're going to run it the way we want to run it. If you want to start your own page, go ahead. Do it, at least until Elon Musk says you can't. <laughs> okay? We're going to do what we do. If we feature a, a you know, photography of a lovely-looking lady in scantily-clad bikini with a Mando helmet on, we're going to do it. Quit gatekeeping us. We're the gatekeepers. Not you motherfuckers. All right. And if we make you that angry, do the normal thing instead of throwing a temper tantrum on social media that your two fans are going to see. Just unfollow the account. <laughs> right, Nick? It's not yeah. that fucking hard. It's, okay? it's easiest to do that. It's easiest to just say like, hey, this, <laughs> this isn't for me and then walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I know social media can be a cesspool, but if you put a little time into curating it, you can, you can kind of turn it into the place you want it to be. I mean, I, I can still live in Twitter because I've used Hootsuite for over a decade to curate, curate what I call streams. So I'm only getting tweets and, and, and whatnot from accounts that I want to. 
I don't have to see all the bullshit. It's not that hard. So there, there's your PSA as we close out 2022. If we are giving you heartburn, if we make you angry, I kind of take pride in that. But in the same in the same light, just just block us or unfollow, do something to save yourself. Whatever hate is brewing within your soul. We know your lives probably suck, but it's not our fault. Okay, it's not our fault. If your lives suck, it's on you. Fix it. Seek therapy. Talk it out. Get out of your mom's basement. All right? There you go. Just had to uh, address <laughs> that there. Welcome. Who we got? We got Tones up in this. Darth LVJ. Hey, now. Eufor- euphoric Nightmare. That's a new one. Sounds uh, new. I wonder if they... I wonder if they hate us or love us. You, you don't. There, there's no in between with the SWTS, Nick. It's either love or hate. I think no, that's I'm kind just of down the, with that. The, the general Star Wars fandom. <laughs> I think that's just how the fandom breakdown is. Hey, man, dark side, light side. George did it from day one. It's it's got to be black or white. There's no in between. There's yeah. no gray. Damn it. That is that's how <laughs> Star Wars is built. <laughs> oh shit! All right, man. Well, hey, we, like I said, we're closing out the year in style. We have two count them two special topics to get through today we're, we're i'm going to be doing this rogue one topic that i've been teasing for weeks now i've probably teased the living shit out of it to the point where your eyes are going to gloss over once we get to it but i'm doing it because i put the work in then as we always do every year we're going to do our you know matt and nick or the swts bros top this year it's top 11 star wars moments of the season so 2022 might even throw some hate in there because, you know, we, we, we understand the Star Wars audience. You can't just be positive. You also got to mix in some negativity. So don't worry. We got you trolls covered, too. <laughs> then we're going to get into some kick-ass new rumors on the Ahsoka series that kind of blew up the Internet last week coming from making Star Wars. So now we'll, we'll be talking about the implications of the world between worlds on that story and its narratives and what fans should expect to see. A lot of stuff Nick and I already speculated, but it's nice to kind of get it. Um, from a source at this point in time. And then, of course, we'll close out our final episode of the year with the final fan segment. It's a question of the week and Nick's final five of 2022. Right. Uh, but as, as we always do, right, buddy, we, we, we got to talk a little pop culture talk. Uh, there, there's no Star Wars, at least till January 4, you know, unless you want to go back and watch the Lego holiday special, which I recommend the, the, the first one with the multiple Kenobis and, you know, Ray's kind of traveling through time. Uh, but, they, you know, as, as Star Wars fans, there's there's nothing new. There's no new new until uh, January 4. So we're trying to give you all some things to dig into uh, that, that we are finding enjoyable in our own lives. And, Nick, I'd, I'd be remiss in, in not talking about my Avatar The Way of Water experience. All right? So I went and checked this thing out yesterday in probably the most supreme setup you could watch this film from Mr. Cameron. It was a, you know, one of the Dolby Vision screens. So Dolby Vision 3D, Dolby Atmos, the place rocks your taint. It gets so loud. You know, it's, it, you know what I'm talking about. It, it Primo theater. All right. So caught it in Dolby Vision 3D the way it was meant to be seen. It had all the high frame rate shit baked in. And I have to tell you, Nick, I know you're not too big on Avatar and any of this shit. And you have no plans to see it. I can tell you right now, even more so than Cameron's Avatar in 2009, Avatar 2 
is the at, at what I would describe as the pinnacle of CGI and visual effects in cinema right now. Like it is ridiculously excellent looking on on all fronts. It, it you you don't even think you're watching computer generated characters. I mean these not V Jake Natiri that they, they feel like they exist in our world. Uh, the high frame rate. I know for some people, you don't really like seeing it in movies because your eyes have been trained to watch movies in 24 frames per second. That's really slow. That's why movies sometimes look jagged when they, you know, scene transitions in action. This movie has a ton of high FR scenes in it that just look so fucking vibrant and crisp and smooth on the big screen in 3D. So Nick's probably going there like, that's cool, dude. I don't I don't really care if it's just a good looking movie like I I feel like I could still wait and I'd be like yeah you should go see it in a theater but it, it's got a decent story too don't get me wrong three hours and ten minutes there is a ton of fucking bloat okay I'm not here to smoke Jim Cameron's poll or do any of that type of shit so get that out of your minds this it's not a bad story. It's a good story. It's, it's, it's a story that any human that it comes from a family or even a broken family will get something from. Cause that, that's what avatar two is. It's main story is about family and what it's like to be a dad and a mom and have kids and adopted kids and, and younger brothers and middle kids and, and those dynamics. So it, it tells a story that any of us can relate to, but it, Nick, where I'll, where I will critique James, on the way of the water, in particular, when it comes to the story, is he he's he's trying to start too many things, and he's not giving each little thread enough time. You know, we we talked about how Tony Gilroy mastered the art of show, but not tell. James Cameron does too much show, and not enough tell. Uh, I mean, if you have a brain and you can follow what's going on, you you can you can kind of be like, oh, okay, that's what's happening with this character's story. I I kind of get it. But Nick, there are times where you're going like, okay, James, he's like, dude, you you, you got to know a lot of people are fucking stupid. You've <laughs> got to expand up upon some of these narratives you're trying to cook here that obviously aren't going to be ready until the next movie or two. But I I can see your seeds, my man. But you can't just be like, oh, here's a scene, hard cut, next scene, all right, okay, where, wait, what about this kid, and where is she getting these abilities, I kind of have an idea, but I wish you would have told me a bit more. So it's a little bit like that, I mean, yeah. even, even with three hours and ten minutes, I didn't find myself going, oh my god, is this ever going to end? Um, but I did find myself going, you know what, man, like I, I, I like everything you're doing, but I just feel like you could have told us a little bit more. So it was a little bit too much show, not enough tell, but in the end, if it wasn't a Monday where I essentially have a natural diuretic running through my system and I piss nonstop, like gallons of piss on Mondays. Cause I eat like shit on the weekend. Uh, it would have been a completely enjoyable experience, but about two hours in, dude, my penis felt like it was going to explode from urine, <laughs> and I'm someone that is committed. If I sit down to watch a movie and I haven't seen it before, I'm not fucking getting up. No matter how much pain I am in, no matter how many times I wanted to twist my wiener into like a pretzel or somehow just tear it off, 
that that was probably the worst thing about the three hour and 10 minute runtime was I had to piss like a motherfucker. So really the last hour, hour 20, 80 percent of my focus was on the movie. 20 percent was on my wiener. And and, and that kind of took away from some of the fun. But in the end, great, great theater experience. If you're a film buff that's just into the art of filmmaking, you have to see what Cameron and his team crafted for the big screen. It's fucking ridiculous. You're not going to see anything more pristine or perfect. Story-wise, yes. Not perfect, not bad, just a bit bloated and probably could have spent some more time on some of the threads. So I'm giving it two thumbs up. If you like ratings better, I'd say it's a 75 to an 80 out of 100. It's... uh, Long run time aside, it is a great movie going experience. And I can't wait to see what happens in Avatar 3 with the Sully family. Or Solly family, but she calls him Sully. So Sully, Solly, you get the point. All right, there you go. <laughs> so I know, I know I'm not going to convince you to go, and that's okay. I'm not trying to. But for people who are like, oh, is this just like a fucking eye fest? And am I going to get bored? No, I don't think so. It is an eye fest for sure. But it still maintains that the, the core of Avatar, if you liked Avatar 1, that, that definitely persists. If you're someone that kind of hates advanced civilizations taking over tribal nations, you'll, 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 you'll appreciate that because they get back to those tropes. I mean, let, let's be real. Avatar is a fucking, uh, I think this is the right word, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. It's essentially an, an allegory for colonialism, in particular what happened in Native America with all the Native American tribes and, and what the white people did to them for resources, this, that, and the other thing. It, it's, that's what he's doing, right, Nick? I mean, yeah. that and, and climate change, shit like that. So, Yeah, basically. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those movies that, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll see it when it hits HBO or whatever streaming service it comes to. And, yeah, I mean, I didn't. It should be like, Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot. Think. Yeah, it is Disney. Uh, so, yeah, Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, I thought the first one was, like, another kind of just bloated. It Like, it, he just takes way too long to get his message across, and he doesn't do it in a very coherent way in a lot of, like, uh, Avatar. Like, he's just, he likes to put a whole bunch of stuff in there that looks cool with minimal story that he kind of rips from other things. So, that was my thoughts on Avatar 1. It's probably the same as Avatar 2. <laughs> like... Um, because it seems like the message of Avatar 1 and 2 are basically the same. Like, uh, don't do bad well, things I mean, to I've, native I've populations. I've seen this one. I, I've, <laughs> I've seen this one, and this one is, is I'd say, 85% family values versus it's white people are bad, humans are bad. I mean, that that's obviously in there. They're, they're the boogeyman again, but... Uh, this one versus the first one, which was more of the, you know, advanced nation versus tribal, we're going to kill you type of shit. This one is more when you're a dad and, and shit's happening to your family, how do you kind of handle that? And then, like I said, the, the, you know, if you're the if you're the, uh, the firstborn son in a family like this, what what are your kind of traditional roles? If you're the middle kid, you know, you're usually treated like shit. So you get a lot of there's a lot of family stuff, but it's also a lot of the nature shit like, hey, we are we are one with these things and these things are sisters and cousins. So it, it's it's pretty spiritual and, you know, a little trippy. But yeah, hey, I don't know. I liked Avatar one, liked Avatar two. 
if you really want to just have your brain and eyes blown out, then, uh, like I said, go see it in theaters, preferably Dolby Vision 3D. Huh. Jake Sully. Yeah, I think the I actually think he cut a movie and they're only doing four now. But I, at one point, I believe they're going to do five. Five total avatars. I mean, it's his fucking opus. Let's be real. I mean, he's trying to make his own Star Wars, you know, where everything is, is kind of his creation. Um, but listen, I mean, if, if you want to see what you can get away with when you have a lot of power money in Hollywood and you don't have a studio telling you what to do, this is it. This is one of those movies. And that's why I think the story's a bit bloated, but it's not bad. All right, dude, do you have anything that these motherfuckers should be checking out? Uh, any any knowledge to drop on them pop culture-wise? Did you Are you playing... Um, the fuck is it? I, I guarantee that, that, you I'm not if it's new. <laughs> they, 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 well, I, I don't know if you're... I'm not a big Rick and Morty person. I don't know if um, you are, but apparently the guy that voices one of them is the voice of a gun in a game, that in a shooter, and it's like a... Uh, super popular it's on game pass right now i think i put it in our chat it's called high on life i and uh, yeah high on life there you go that that's like the darling right now uh, amongst the uh, both gamers and critics high on life uh i'm still in i'm still into my midnight suns that game is the perfect little grind that i need right now uh yeah it's all right i've just been playing uh Actually, I haven't really been playing anything. <laughs> like I, every now and then, I pick up my Steam Deck and I play Scarlet Nexus, and then I just started playing uh, through the Final Fantasy VI remaster. Um, so that's that's basically all I've been playing. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I may yeah. need to plug it. Hey, speaking of Steam Deck, have you uh, grabbed the dock yet, or are you just handheld only on that thing? No, I just play it on uh, the actual deck itself. I don't. Yeah, I just I just saw recently that they finally have the dock. Yeah, they have like the get. Steam official dock. Yeah, that they released, and I know that before that too, there were like third party docks and systems that you could buy to like hook it up to your TV and stuff. But yeah, the official one just came out recently. And last thing on the deck, do we blame Steam or do we blame developers for not making it deck compatible, like new games? Yeah, I mean, I feel, blame there? I feel like that's a developer thing because the, the deck itself has all of the presets and stuff that you need. And then I also think that a lot of the game, like some of the games that are like not green check are still very playable on the deck. Like yeah. Final Fantasy VI isn't, isn't um, green check and it's like I'm playing it with no problem. The only thing I have to do is like in those old Final Fantasy games or in most Final Fantasy games, you can name your character. So whenever a new character is introduced, you just have to like open up the Steam Deck keyboard to either rename oh. them or confirm their name. And that's the only reason why it's like the yellow, uh, you know, playable, not not green. Yeah, I know, I know. But dude, I've opened some yellow games and it's a complete fucking disaster. Yeah. Like they won't on, even load. Yeah, I mean, that's on developers and stuff. I mean, once it hits like once the, the system itself kind of hits a hits a point of like sales numbers and stuff like that with enough decks in people's hands. And I think that they'll start to put a little bit more focus on. Yeah. I I was going to say, I I wonder like what, I mean, obviously the, the roadblock there is how many fucking units are there actually. Um, I don't know. You just think this, they're building it for PC PCs. A lot of times you're using controllers now. So like how, how difficult is that to truly 
port or test. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. And that's why I like it's, it. It is a PC and it, it is a gamepad controller. So like, what, what's the disconnect between if I just load it on a computer and use my Xbox controller? Yeah. So I, I, I want to try some of my um, like games that I have through Steam already that just don't have any rating or like have the slash yeah. through it. Because like, for example, like Dishonored 2 is a game that's built for consoles. Like it's you use controllers for it. Yeah, but it's not, it has like the slash through it. But I've also seen a video uh, on YouTube of somebody playing it on the Steam Deck with no issue. So like, huh. I so I don't really know if there's just like, um, you know, like not enough data through some of these games, or if there's like a specific reason why they weren't. Um, right. Yeah, know. especially newer games because I I can get it. Like the the one game I really wanted to work was Galactic Battlegrounds. It was one of my most favorite Star Wars games of all time, computer games. I mean, it's, it's an RTS. Uh, it came out in the early aughts. There's two. There's like the main game and and, and like a Clone Wars expansion. Uh, but it, it won't even fucking load. But I was like, okay, that game was made in the early 2000s for computers for a mouse. Right? RTS. You're you're drag selecting units, right clicking, left clicking, hot keying the shit out of stuff. So I'm like, all right, I, I can see how this doesn't necessarily translate. But even then, I should be able to tap on the screen. It's a touch screen, right? That's still a mouse click. So you units, you go there. But it, it it was it was one of the question mark titles, Nick, for Steam Deck, where they're just like, hey, fuck you. You you figure out what's wrong yeah. or not. And I load it up and it, it goes into like a death loop. Like it, it will not the the executable will not get to a point where it's stable and you can actually get to a a menu screen it just yeah. is like bloop, 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 cuz i yeah so, like i played like a new question mark game as well and i had like i had no issues with it and then, and then like after a while it would it like listed itself as like the yellow playable one so i think the question mark is just like we don't know yet because people have to test it but for something like that, for like issues with like the game not loading on the deck, I think that's probably developer issues and not, I mean, like nothing that Steam can do about it. All they have is the, is the game files that the developer sent over to run on the platform. So, uh, yeah, hey, you know, I, I just like to point fingers and blame people. So that's all I'm trying to do here. All right. Well, I guess it's time to get into our Star Wars content on the Star Wars Time Show. Why not? No reason to hold it back. There's there they go. See you later, Sollies. Okay. So I've been talking about this for a few weeks now. I'll give some of you a little history here. Uh, but the, the whole time I'm watching Andor season one, I'm going, you know, damn, this is fucking good. I, I can't wait to watch Rogue One again because I have a feeling it's going to fundamentally change. Rogue One, how I feel about it, how I feel about Cassian, so on and so forth. And, and sure as shit, after I watched the Andor finale that weekend, I fired up Rogue One and I actually watched it twice. And I 100% felt completely different about the film. I mean, I, I talked about it on this humble little show a few weeks back. It just, it, it feels like a different movie to me. It, 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 there's more gravity to everything about it. It feels more connected to uh, the the Star Wars universe than it did before. It just it just made a lot more sense to me, uh, held a lot more weight with me, and and again I cared more because we had twelve hours of learning about one of its main characters. Uh, but while watching, I was sitting there going, well, you know, 
Tony told us season two of Andor is going to take us right up to the point where he's walking to get on his U-wing to go to the Ring of Kefreen to meet with Tivik. So uh, with that in mind and the fact that he's bringing over, I think it was like 30 or 35 people from season one, I was sitting here going, all right, based on Rogue One and and who Jin interacts with and who Cassian interacts with and and really what's going on with the Rebels, because Tony did say a lot of season two is going to be leading the rebel cells towards becoming the alliance that amasses on Yavin. And we are going to see that. So, like I said, I'm not an idiot. I'm going, all right, if this is what Tony is telling us we should expect in Andor Season 2, to me, I feel like these 11 characters from Rogue One should appear in Andor Season 2 in some capacity. Now... I think some should obviously be more fleshed out and given a bit more time while others can just kind of pop up and, and exist. But I do think they should they should be there. And, and none of these characters were in season one of Andor. So you're, you're not going to hear about the Melshi. We, we already know he is there. And as I told you last week, he gets he gets shortchanged. I mean, that motherfucker who we are like, oh, Melshi's in Andor. That's so cool. I think we all forgot. And. In Rogue One, he was truly just a secondary character that sadly dies off screen. Like, he doesn't even get a a hero death. You just see his body laying there after a scene prior he was alive. Uh, So the 11 people we're going to talk about are people that have not been featured in Andor. And that's why I think they should be touched on in Andor Season 2. Okay, Nick? Uh, I don't know if you can see the graphic or if you want me to drop it off for you, but that that's kind of what I'm working off of. Yeah, I have uh, uh, a little page here that lists a lot of these people. All right, cool. So if you are listening to the podcast-only version, clearly we're going to do our best to explain these characters to you. I'll give you, I'll give them names and, and appearances. Uh, but when we, we put up the postcast shell, I'll try to incorporate this grid so you at least have a visual as you're listening to the uh, podcast platform version of this week's show. All right, Nick. So like I said, I I picked 11 characters and and these 11 characters had FaceTime in Rogue One, had speaking lines in Rogue One, uh, either worked directly with Cassian, with Jin, so on and so forth. So let's start with the top row if you're on the live stream. And the top row, I'm going to call these our, our dignitaries and senators that should show up in Andor Season 2. So first up, this is an easy one, right? Bail Organa. I mean, he's a, he's not a senator during Rogue One because Leia has assumed that mantle. But Bail is still a part of the Rebel Alliance Council. He was at the table to vote on the call to invade Scarif. So um, Bail Organa is probably one of the more obvious, probably should show up in some capacity in Andor Season 2. Uh, mostly because he is one of the main civilian leaders of the Rebel Alliance. What say you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it It kind of was surprising that he didn't show up in season one, um, but given the nature of like the, the underground and everything like that with the, the pre-formation of the Rebel Alliance, it, it kind of made sense. I would have liked to see him at like, Mon Mothma's party, you know, that that kind of would have fit for yeah. his character to pop in there. But I understand that they didn't want it to, you know, necessarily drop him in the middle of a no season. cynical cameos, Nick. Yeah. No cynical cameos. Drop him in the middle of a season where he wasn't really going to do anything. So um, 
Bale making his way into season two, I think, is almost a necessity given his importance yeah. to the overall cause. Yeah, because it, it, I, I know you probably haven't seen it in a while, but even Rogue One after the council meeting where they tell Jin to go fuck herself, he he and Mon kind of meet in the hallway, yeah. and without saying it, they're like, "Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get the war started, and and you go you go contact that Jedi friend of yours, okay?" Yeah. And he's like, "All right, see you later." <laughs> go find Kenobi. so. Yeah, I mean, Bale, like I said, that, that, that was a pretty cheap one. So moving on, I'm going to cover the three senators that are part of the council in Rogue One, because I, I, I think that would make sense that they get some sort of introduction or screen time in Andor Season 2 as, as allies of Mon Mothma as she's trying to, you know, get more and more involved in the rebel movement while also still pretending to be an active senator. So... The first one we see, this guy was, uh, really all the senators were kind of douchey to Jin in the movie. None of them were really down with what she was uh, spitting here. But but one of the, the, the white guy with the beard and, and kind of, he had like the red tunic and a brown robe. This is Senator Jabel. And within the Rebel Alliance, he is considered to be the Minister of Finance. Okay, so and he had a he he has a speaking voice, a voting voice on the Rebel Alliance Council, as proven in Rogue One, when they made the decision to deny Jin her little platoon to go attack Scarif. So, uh, like I said, Nick, he he's got the senator thing, so you got a direct tie to Mon Mothma and and Bale's former past, but he's also a main council member of the Rebel Alliance, and he's he's the Minister of Finance. So you would think in some form or fashion, this guy is going to pop up in Andor Season 2. Yeah, I, I got to imagine that a lot of these, like, you know, well, not a lot because there's only a few of them, but the senators themselves should at least be shown in the Coruscant circle, you know? Um they're probably in a or on or on or on Yavin at least because I mean they they all had speaking parts in Rogue One and they all provided deciding opinions on the mission or not. Yeah, I mean I would hope that you would get an introduction to them prior to when the, the yeah. Rebel Alliance starts to really use Yavin as a as a home base, um, just because. You need to like. I think it's important to establish them in the same sense that you establish Mon Mothma as like these are active senators within the the Galactic Empire that are like clandestinely trying to run a rebel organization. And I think that for for all of these next few characters that you're going to list, like seeing them in their element on Coruscant, seeing them kind of under the same stressors that that yeah. Mon Mothma are under would would definitely help to like set their place in the galaxy at this time and and then also like um give us a little bit more context into like what their day-to-day is like so uh yeah yeah um yeah he, you, you gotta wonder nick right like who recruited the senators because <laughs> you know luthan after aldani i mean he 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 says straight up no more rules. No more rules. Like, I mean, he was breaking his rules, in fact. So I'm wondering, is it Mon Mothma recruiting them? Or have they always been talking? Do these, does uh, uh, Jebel, does he have any ties to the original senators that were not happy about uh, giving the Supreme Chancellor emergency powers? Yeah. Did Bale have a hand in it? So, yeah, I, I do think... They, they, uh, Tony and his team could could incorporate these senators in, uh, like you said, 
kind of shown them as we met Mon in season one, where they, they truly are living that double life of still pretending to be a senator and towing the line with Palpatine. But, you know, after hours, they're literally ministers in a rebel alliance trying to bring down Palpatine's government. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is it's it's imperative to show something like that. And I do think that you may be correct when you assume that some of these senators were probably involved with the initial group. Um, there, I mean, like, you know, none of them are, are so young that they wouldn't have been around for the initial, uh, I guess you would say expansion of powers for Palpatine during right. episode three. The only one that you could argue may not be old enough is Senator uh, Pamlo, which we'll probably we'll get to her soon enough. Um, but everybody should have like, if you're a part of the the Rebel Alliance, especially at this stage, I I just have to assume that you are like, uh, you know, were a part of that initial group. So, uh, getting some yeah, background said, you, on they, that they, would be cool. They didn't just one day walk out of the Senate and go, "Ah, hey, fuck it, let's go over to Yavin, <laughs> yeah. see see what Mon's up to." She seems to be having some fun. Yeah, her so, life sounds exciting these days. Yeah, she yeah. she seems like she's doing okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. So the the next one here is Senator Vaspar, and he within the Rebel Alliance is the Minister of Industry. So he's like in charge of all their 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 resources. And I, I believe all three senators were kind of anti Jin's plan. I mean, I, I even think Jabel is like, let's just fucking yeah, he, sign a peace agreement. Like, fuck yeah, it. <laughs> he was he was definitely waiting for a peace thing. <laughs> like he was yeah. like, hey, we'll, we'll be able to figure this out with the Empire. We're not going to have to fight. And everybody else was right, like, are right, you easy. sure? I don't think that we're yeah, going to be able to. He was a bum. Yeah, that, that guy was a bum. But it really, Vaspar, I, I believe he was kind of against it, too. Maybe not as hardcore as Jabel, but really just it kind of the same points as Jabel, active senator, but also actively a leader within the Rebel Alliance. What, what is that dynamic like? How did it come to be? Andor season two seems like a great place to. And, and I don't think Nick is talking or I'm talking. These are like full episodes, but you should get little little notes, little hints. Even if it's a, a, a hollow call, like, uh, you know, Jebel the Mothma, Jebel the Mothma, shit like that. Uh, you know, we I don't think e any of these characters that we're going to talk about deserve, like, episode-long arcs in Andor Season 2. I'm, I'm talking, it, it could be as simple as a, a mention, a cameo, a, a, a passing by. Uh, but they, they're, they're so crucial to the Rebel Alliance, I, I just, I don't know how we don't see them in Andor Season 2. When our Lord and Savior is telling us that season two is literally going to be the build up and the mustering of the Rebel Alliance on Yavin. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I really and that leaves us with they should show up at least a few like at least a couple times, you know, just to, to yeah. kind of introduce themselves. So our, our, our last one, uh, Nick teased earlier, and this was the black woman at the council. And this is Pamela, and she's the minister of education. And I think she was kind of in the middle on on what Jim wanted to do, but still was very scared and like, eh, we we like to talk, we don't like to fight type of bullshit. Which we know that just the, the Rebel Alliance they 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 can't afford to talk, okay? And the fact that these people think they can talk still goes to show how brilliant Palpatine was. Like I mean, he was convincing these idiots after almost 15, 16 years of of persecution and domination of the galaxy that he was not 
a a fascist dictator. It, it's it's brilliant. He really is brilliant. Like we just said, Jabel's like, yeah, let's just go fucking say sorry. Uh, can we? L- l- sorry, let's sign a peace deal. Yeah, yeah, because that's something Palpatine would consider. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly these these people are they're living a different life than the the, the Cassians of the Rebel Alliance. E- yeah. Even even now, just to even have the thought that that you could be yeah. like, let's just sign a peace treaty. It's like I don't know if yeah. if that's even a viable option. So. Yeah, oh, we're sitting here debating the the existence of a, a a super weapon that could blow up planets, but maybe they'll they'll turn a blind eye to all of our rebel activity for the past five years and just be like, hey, you know what? Good for you guys. We like to we like to see self starters like you all in the Rebel Alliance, so we're not going to execute every single one of you. I mean, come on, <laughs> what's wrong with these motherfuckers? So those are uh, the four dignitaries the the civilian leads of the rebel alliance that we meet in rogue one and just remember bail organa is not a senator at that point in time that has been passed to leia uh, who is about to get boarded by her dad after she uh, receives the death star plans from Jin and her forces on scarif beach all right so really the next seven characters well six of them these would be within the military wing of the rebel alliance and, and really, uh, not all of them are council members either. And I'll, I'll kind of explain some of these choices. So up first, if you're on the live stream, you can see him right there. The boy in blue, the guy that taught our, our boy everything, told him that there can be traps and you should be prepared. That is Admiral Radis. Uh, I, I, I just kind of for, for some of the same reasons as our dignitaries, Radis is is such a radical figure at that time in the rebel alliance because he's the only one that wants to fucking go to blows yeah and he's the one that commands the armada so he's he's got more chips than any of these motherfuckers have and and as we learned in rogue one eventually he's just like hey fuck you guys i'm taking my fleet and we're going anyways yeah so I, I think Radis is prime for Andor season two. I mean, maybe you would think, Nick, a guy like this, is he potentially already running his own rebel cell? I mean, I would imagine so. I would imagine that given like given his massive military presence that we see in Rogue One, he didn't get that from nowhere. And it's not like he just can, can you know, command the entire fleet of Right. Uh, of, you know, Mon Calamari and Quarren to just be like, all right, well, you guys do whatever I say now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would imagine that he's running his own cell. Um, he he may be the first alien character that we see in Andor, because I know that people had a lot of questions about where the aliens are, especially um, <laughs> since we were bopping Speaking alien character. Speak, yeah. Speaking right. alien characters. So, yeah, so uh, he makes total sense. At this point, you know, like he is the the leader of the uh, Rebel Alliance military. It's not Admiral Akbar yet, so um, you may see Akbar like in a reduced role, but he's he wouldn't be the one that's like, you know, the the no. the admiral of the entire fleet. Yeah, no, Ak- Akbar assumes the the admiralty because Radis dies yeah, at Scarif. I mean, he, he literally sa- sacrifices the profundity uh, to give enough time for Leia and, and a Tanti four to get out of town. So he, he is a mate. I mean, he's a major character in rogue one, at least for Jin's like, he's like a stumping for Jin's cause. Yeah. Uh, and like Nick, Nick said, I mean, he, he is in charge of the rebel Navy that that's it. Like the Mon Cal's are always in charge of the ships. 
Not the ground forces. That That's for the Dodonas and whatnot. But we'll, we'll get there. Just hold your horses. So I think Raddus has to be in there. He, he is a rebel hero. In fact, in the sequel trilogy, uh, Holdo, well, the, 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 really the, the resistance flagship is named the Raddus. So, I mean, he's a very important figure in Star Wars. Good guy, dumb. Uh, real quick, before we move on, we got a question here from the, the live stream chat. Our boy Tones, could Hera or some of the Ghost Crew turn up? Could they? 100%. Will they? I don't think so in the least. It's, that, 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 to me, could be that cynical cameo territory for Tony. Um, I know Chopper, and I know we heard Hera being paged in Rogue One, and I know the Ghost was there, so... Uh, Hare and Chopper have more potential than any of the other Ghost crew, but I, I don't I don't think he touches it. Uh, and really, I, I even think including Bail Organa is going to give Tony heartburn. Like yeah. that that's even that's almost too much legacy for him. So when you ask, could they a hundred fucking percent? Because we know at least Hera and Chopper were at uh, the Masasi Temple. Yeah. And they participated in the Battle of Scarif, 100%. So I, I don't want to completely close the door there. I just don't think our boy is going to touch that shit, especially with which which is going to be, uh, be potentially covered in the Ahsoka series with the uh, Rebels cast. And they like they barely included them in Rogue One. I mean, you... Oh, it was, it was cameo at best. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like Chopper literally just comes across the screen. It's not even a main focus. And then you just hear uh, Hera's name in the background. Right, yeah. General Sindula, blue, blue, blue. Like she's not even featured. She, she, she's a council member and she's not even at the fucking table. So... Uh, if anything, I, Tony, I think it would, it would resemble what we got in Rogue One for them because I, like I said, I just don't, I don't think Gilroy likes touching legacy with a 10 foot pole. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so up next in the military wing, uh, he dies a tragic but heroic death in Rogue One. And that is our boy in blue, the leader of blue squadron, Anton Merrick. Uh, he gets a ton of speaking parts, Nick, in Rogue One. He, he's a he's a commander of a of a wing group. Uh, like I said, dies a glorious death. Helps actually helps Jin's group on the beach by blowing up some of those ATMTs or whatever they were called. And again, he's just he's he's a he's a general in the the Rebel Alliance Navy. Uh, and the fact that he got so many speaking parts in Rogue One, and that, that's kind of what I based a lot of these choices on. I was like, all right, if if they were a fleshed out character in Rogue One, they just make sense for Andor season two. So that's where I'm going with Merrick here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Merrick is one that I could see that I could actually see like not being in it because he is such a combat focused um, person. Like you said, he is the head of the Avon Four, like you know, Blue Squadron, Starfighter Command. Um, it like. If anything, I would imagine that he would come in much later in the season, uh, probably okay. in the last like maybe two two episode arcs. Because isn't it like every two episodes is a year or something like that? Um, it's it's every every three is a year. But we did learn w- we might only see four days of a year, and then okay. by the next year they're going to have to account for all that time that we did not see. So it's not like every three episodes we're going to see. Okay, episode one takes place in January. Episode two takes place in June. Episode three takes place in December. It's yeah. Tony described as like I think the longest he said we're going to get is like a two week time frame in one yeah. of these three episode arcs. If if anything. Out of everybody that we've listed so far, 
Merrick is one that I could see not being in it or being in it at the very end, given the role okay. that he plays. Um, I, I, I mean, as far as we've gotten into uh, Andor, there there is no Rebel Alliance military. Like they like it, it is literally just like these cells, if you can even call them that, that right. are under the management of Luthen. And then, you know, it's much later that you actually coalesce into the actual Rebel Alliance where Correct. you have like oh, yeah. somebody like Antok in a military role. Correct. Um, Correct. So I, this one's kind of hit or miss. I, I think if we see him, it'll probably in, be in like the last three episode arc when they're like gearing up for the like we're getting ready to, to hit Rogue yeah. One time period. No, I, I, I could see that. I, I Like I said, I put him on there because he gets a lot of FaceTime that's not even just action. Like he, he has a place at that council and, and he, he's got they, they, they give him a lot to say debating the, the Scarif mission. And that's one of the reasons I was like, yeah, you know, if, if they're going to feature him this much, he, he's a weighty character. He's got some meat to him. So maybe we'll see him in S2. But I, correct me, I, I think Blue Squadron gets completely decimated at scare. Yeah, no, like they're they, the ones they, that they are all, they make it out. in, they make it in the shield before it closes, and they, they just get destroyed. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they are completely wiped out by the end of rogue one, which yeah. is why there is no blue squadron. When we come around to the movies, blue squadron is essentially replaced by rogue squadron. Rogue squadron was made up as you remember from in rogue one, when they're like, Rogue One taking off. Bodhi just says something as they leave. Right. Um, so so essentially Rogue Squadron takes the place of the completely decimated and lost Blue Squadron. And then it becomes a dead movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he's got a cool figure, too. I, I just I, I mean, the Blue Squadron was cool. That, that's one of the best parts of Rogue One is when when all the, the, the different uh, X-Wing groups call oh, in, man. you realize like, oh, shit, there, there used to be a fucking blue. Where are they? Where are yeah. the U-Wings? Well, U-Wings were in Blue Squadron. They all got blowed up. Really, one of the best touches in that in the battle. And it's, it's a blip. And I don't know if this was Garrett or, or a Tony change. But Nick, it's that they put the focus on the death of Red Five. I I, I still think that's one of the most brilliant yeah. little nuggets they include in Rogue One, because obviously we know who assumes that 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 position uh, a few weeks later in the the Death Star battle. So yeah. I, I always I always love that they show the death of of Red Five. Yeah, um, young Luke Skywalker. All right. Up next, and this is another must because this dude shows up in A New Hope and Rogue One, and that is General Jan Dodana, who is like the main general of the ground rebel ground forces, um, played by different actors across the eras. Uh, but the but uh the guy who played him in in Rogue One is it was from Game of Thrones. What's his name? The one of the 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 king's guards that the old guy what, yeah. what the fuck is his name i, I, I used to be so good at all these <laughs> yeah i can't remember now damn it but um yeah he was like uh the 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 old one that like threw yeah, down his he's sword he's like the at leader the of the yeah he's the leader of the king's, king's guard. guard he eventually quits it and and goes on like a spirit walk and then finds like the the royalty again and protects him so his real name is ian McElhenney. 
But his name. Yeah, there you go. I guess we should talk about real life. Yeah, we're, that's, like, we're that's trying his... to name his fake character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Game of Thrones, let me see if I could find his Game of Thrones character because he's it's, been. In it's a lot right of... on the tip of my tongue. It's like, come on, man. Uh, he Barristan Selmy. Yes, Barristan the go. Bold. Of course, Sir Barristan. Come yes. on. Yes. All right. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, listen. He he is a main general in the rebel alliance military so i think maybe kind of to nick's point this is some guy that i don't know if you get to see his his full recruitment and journey towards the full rebel alliance but kind of like the point nick was making with merrick he's someone that you you almost expect is going to show up towards the end of andor season two especially when they start mustering on yavin yeah definitely i mean if like i unlike merrick if if Dodonna's not in it, then it's a big miss. Like he is too crucial to the Rebel Alliance. And it's like like even like you said, even kind of beyond the militarization of it, um, he's too important to the to the Rebel Alliance to not have I included. mean, if we never got Rogue One, he's like one of the most important people on the rebel base. I mean, he, he, he breaks down the, the, the plans. He creates the, the, the battle plan and go, you know, he, he briefs the pilots and then he's the one around the table with lay and C-3PO essentially. Uh, I don't know why the, the army guys controlling what the Navy's doing, but that's what he's <laughs> doing. Like he's the only, he's the only military leader really in a new hope. I guess all the rest died at scare. Yeah. It's, so. like, it's like they were pretty low on <laughs> human resources at that point. Yeah. So. They were just like, he, I don't know, he just, like I said, dudes in a new hope, <coughs> major role dudes in rogue one had a, pl- plenty of speaking lines, a lot of, you know, uh, decision-making type of shit. He just seems natural for Andor yeah. season two. Uh, this one is probably an even bigger must Nick. And that's because of his direct relationship with Cassian in rogue one. And that is uh, general Draven. Yeah. Who is literally Cassian's, reporting officer or who Cassian reports to, you know, Cassian, I believe is a, is a captain. This guy's a a general and he's a direct report. Like this guy's in charge of essentially their, uh, intelligence, which Cassian becomes a member of. He becomes a, a spy. spy, Yeah. uh, I mean, so Nick, do you you think a guy like Draven gets an earlier debut because of how he and Cassian end up kind of working together? Or is he someone you also see, saved for the the massing of the alliance on yavin given his his role in like running the spy craft and 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 being more focused on like clandestine activities and not necessarily like direct military impact i would imagine that he's probably already a part of the or like is brought in earlier uh for the rebel alliance because there's so much that happens clandestinely there's so much that's that's spy driven in the early parts of the rebel alliance so i would imagine that once we get the official like i am dedicating myself to the rebellion from cassian and andor season two then i have i assume that draven will shortly follow um yeah i mean we got that at the end so i think we're gonna start season two with cassian he's not gonna have his dots on his square on his shoulder but he and Luthen are probably they've probably recruited a, a, a few more uh, a few more talented individuals to the cause by the time we come back. But yeah. Nick, I could see Draven almost 
being in one of our three episode arcs, like a like a main character of sorts, where mm-hmm. you know he and or you know he and Cassian go on a mission, or or he charges Cassian with going on a mission. But I I can see Draven really more so than any of the previous characters we just talked about from Rogue One getting like legit screen time and almost being a part of, of a story arc for Andor himself. Oh yeah. I I definitely agree with that. He, he is probably of all of the people that we've named so far. Um, aside from maybe Dodonna, I feel like Draven would probably play the biggest role in, in Andor given his, like you said, his proximity to Cassian and the fact that, he is kind of in charge of the spy division of the I mean, he's his handler, right? He's his handler, 100%. And I I would imagine, too, handler. it wouldn't surprise me if, like, he's already working for for Luthen, and he's just, we just haven't been introduced to him yet because we didn't really need to be introduced to him. But I gotta imagine that, like, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Draven was in some way um, you know, dealing with the mole that was inside of ISB. I can't remember the kid's name now that uh, Luthen gave his famous speech to towards the end of the series. But like, because he fire runs, crotch, yeah, because he runs the uh, the spies. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Draven had some hand in either recruiting him or his like day to day management of that asset. So. Yeah, so so here's here's an interesting note to dorky dorky Star Wars fans like myself. But Draven was actually not the the true leader of Alliance Intelligence. That was General Kraken. Aaron Kraken, yep. which he's related to Phil McCracken. <laughs> and apparently uh the responsibilities fall to Davich Draven. Uh, the head of Yavin 4 intelligence because this Kraken guy is out building the spy networks in the outer rim. So yeah, Draven is, he's a main player, but he, he technically is not the top of uh, Alliance intelligence where a lot of these other people were like, though Donna is the the, the head of. Yeah. uh, And I mean, if Kraken is out in the outer rim, then basically anything that's in the core worlds or even like the inner rim would be, would fall to Draven. Okay. Oh, Eric, I was wrong on Dodonna. He's the sector commander for Yavin group. So yeah, he, he wields a little bit of weight versus just general of, of, of like the army. Yeah. Like he essentially, he, he has a, an entire sector and he is the, the, the leader of it. And it just happens to be Yavin is in that sector. All right. Okay. All right. Good stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think Draven, like you said, out of out of any of these we talked about, he he fits the mold to actually be a a more fleshed out character in Andor season two. Yeah. All right, now I, I got two long shots here, but hear me out, Nick. Uh, <laughs> and the alien the alien wing of of the fandom will love this. Uh, but my next call, my next character is Pal, simply P A O. And the reason I say that is because Cassian directly puts Pal in charge of the ground forces when they land on Scarif. So he is, he's, he is like a Lieutenant or something. He's someone that, that Cassian has, has worked with before, has given orders to before it kind of like to Nick's point with Merrick, he seems like a good guy to at least have show up in the last few episodes to remind everyone like, okay, this is, 
why these two have that relationship. This is why Cassian in Rogue One would appoint Pal to be, uh, you know, the the platoon leader versus the other people with him, even versus Melshi. I mean, he literally makes Pal a leader of one of the groups. Uh, so why is that? And I think Andor can kind of show us that a bit. You know, yeah. him, maybe him and Pal came up. They're they're buddies. They were in intelligence together. Uh, but the fact that Andor was directly commanding Pal. And Pal was listening, like, yes, sir, that type of shit. It seems like they, they would have had some sort of interaction relationship prior to Rogue One. Yeah, no, I, I think that that fits for sure. Um, maybe, you know, Pal and, and, and or Cassian are both, like, recruited at the same time. Maybe he comes in a little bit later. Uh, maybe Pal was a part of a mission, uh, you know, that was running at the same time as as the Aldani mission and stuff like that. and. Uh, there's, yeah, but th- th- there's a lot of ways to bring him in and, and we do need to kind of get some of these more on the ground characters in there as well. Yeah. I know a lot of the people that we've talked about so far are kind of, you know, the, the heads of certain divisions or they are, you know, the, 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 the leader of this and the, the right. They, they make the decisions. Yeah. They don't, they don't, they don't do Execute. the heroic actions. Yeah. Yes. They, they, they don't do the, the, the fun stuff. So that, that's kind of where I was going with pal. I like the angle of, you know, maybe this is, uh, we, we see Cassian with whatever cell he is in rescue pal. And, and that's where their relationship, uh, develops. And, and he, like Melshi, after working with Cassian in some sort of uh, troublesome situation, kind of pledges himself to like, yeah, you're right. Let's, I'm, I'm down with you, bro. Let, let, let's go kick some ass and, and take some names. Um, th- this next one is just because I've always loved this character because he looks so fucking crazy and, <laughs> and he's a psycho. You know, he reminds me of the guy in Full Metal Jacket when they're flying over the rice field just shooting yeah. his, his Gatling gun. Yep. Get some! Get some! Uh, but it's Biston. And, you know, Biston, he even, he's not a council leader, but if you watch Rogue One, <laughs> that motherfucker weasels his way up right to the table, and, he, you know, he, he provides a lot of reaction. He's definitely on Jin's side, uh, but because he's so unique looking, he scratches the alien itch, Nick, and he does get a lot of scream time. You know, he, he, he is blasting people. He yeah, is, yeah. He is referred to by name. I just have a feeling, and I'm kind of, I'm going to go back again to Nick's well of, oh, these guys could show up towards the end. I, I think Biston's got to be in there. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be fun to establish those two characters, Pow and Biston. And then, then you have, a, you basically right there have the formation of, like the the beginnings of the squad that that you know are yeah. are there on Scarif and everything. and that, that that's kind of what I was getting at. It's like okay, you know this this very small platoon of rebels goes to Scarif. Who stands out? Well, clearly Melshi, but yeah. that's a done deal. He's already I mean, he was in Andor season one, yeah. taken care of. Uh, but really, the other big ones are are, are Pal in 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 Biston. Uh, there was a black gentleman not referred to by name, but he he at least gets a death on screen, unlike yeah. Melshi, but I, I don't think they'll pay attention to him. So uh, I, I just, I don't know. I've Biston, he's just such a unique looking character. He's like a like a monkey fucked a ferret type of thing. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, just, he he's just wild looking. He does look very weird for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, everybody else that is of note in, in Rogue One is essentially recruited in Rogue One, you know, uh, yeah. Jin yeah. and Cassian, Jin. obviously. Uh, then you have Bodhi, who is the the uh, the turncoat. Yeah, the turncoat, the Imperial pilot who has turned. Um, 
and then uh you know the pow and biston and then who else who who was like the there was one other person right Bodie. not really no i guess you're right i guess that's it i guess that's it no I mean, not Ga- not named not named characters yeah i mean galen may show up in andor season two depending on how much they look into like how much they pay attention to the like the imperial side of things um you know if, if- see here's because i'm glad you went there because i i really don't think you're gonna get Krennic or Urso on screen in Andor season two. I mean, Tony has has doubled down on listen. Yeah, we showed you the Death Star and the Stinger, but the Death Star is still just going to be this off screen threat that the rebels are only going to start learning about. Because if you watch Rogue One, he's on Kafreen. He has intel about the Empire and some big fucking crazy yeah. weapon in their possession. And, and, and Tivik is the one that says, blow, or bro, blow. Let's blow you, bro. <laughs> Tivik's the one that lets him know, like, bro, it's a planet killer. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where Cassian's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, then he's so, like, okay, yeah. So. Clearly, we're going we're gonna to see, and Tony has said this, and this, this is what Andor season two is. We're, we're going to see how... Cassian gets there and the rebels get to that point where they know to send Cassian to meet with Tivik, who is from Saul's group. But I, I don't think you're going to get like meetings at the ISB or in the empire specifically talking about the Death Star. I, I think it's going to be more like what we got in season one, where you, if you pay attention, you can hear our boy Lonnie like, Oh yeah, Scarif is getting a bunch of increased shipments. And they're like, Oh yeah, whatever. Who cares? It's that's Scarif. It's beach. It could be like, hey, uh, you know, uh, the the Urso uh, has a breakthrough, or this, or the 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 that prisoner, the Thai pilot, has uh, gotten out, or he, he's he's a uh, he's crossed over. But I don't, I don't you're not going to see any of it. Like, yeah. I, I don't think he spends any time showing you Krennic, any time showing you Galen working on the Death Star. At best, you might hear about it. Yeah, yeah, like. Maybe he can he'll soften his heart and we can get a at least a cameo from from one of those characters because I do feel like it would be beneficial to season two, especially like how close we're getting to everything else. Um, Galen more specifically, because we know that at the beginning of Rogue One, when when Cass or not when Cassian, when uh, Jin is still very young, she's still a child that like he had been away from the Empire for a little while and he gets pulled back yes. in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope that, that we may get a cameo, but knowing Tony, it's, it's probably, you're probably right. It's unlikely that we'll see either one of those. I I will give you this, Nick. I I think if, if one of those two were to be featured in Andor season two, it would probably be Galen over Krennic. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Um, but we'll see. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I would not hold my breath. Uh, <laughs> I really, I, I, Andor's, he, we, we have got to learn what Tony tells us is, is really what he means. So, uh, you know, I know one six still gets caught up on the fact that they got Easter eggs in there, but I, I, I don't think Tony had anything to do with that. That was literally his other department leads. They're like, Hey, we got to flesh out an antiquity shop. Let's use some of this cool shit. The old guy won't know, and it's not going to hurt him because he didn't he didn't have to think about it. So, uh, but when he's telling us, like, listen, Andor season two, Death Star is not really going to be a big thing. It's it's still going to be in the background, but you are going to kind of start to see how the the rebels and these cells began to sniff out the idea that they were working on a Death Star, which is going to lead us right to that talk. 
on Kafreen with Nick, my last of the 11 Rogue One characters that need to be in Andor. And this one's cheap because Tony already said he will be. In fact, he's mentioned him multiple times more than any other character, and that is Tivik. The uh, one of Saul's guys, the guy that Cassian ices on Kafreen after they cause a disturbance and, and shoot up some stormtroopers. So, yeah. I mean, he's uh, definitely going to show up. <laughs> yeah, Tivik is 100%. Take it to the bank. You heard it here first through Tony Gilroy coming out of my mouth. But but this dude is 100% going to be in there. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be showing how him and Cassian, they, they have a a working in quotes relationship more than likely, which means Cassian may travel to Saul's group at some point to get some Intel and Tivik is going to be kind of his point of contact. So it's almost like Tivik is, is the Cassian of Saul's cell as Cassian is a, a spy uh, to the actual rebel Alliance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Tivik is like Saul's spy master, or at least a guy he's willing to sacrifice and send out yeah, on missions dude. like this. Just in case something goes bad. Yes. Spy master, you know, expendable piece of my, <laughs> my, uh, my arsenal. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he, obviously he's got to show up if, if Tony is being genuine and saying like, we're leading right up until the moment that Rogue One starts, then yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be in there for sure. So there you go. If you were here for the whole thing, hopefully you, you got some insights, but I, I feel like these are the 11 characters. So again, we got Bail Organa. We got Senators Jabel, Vasper, and Pamlo. We've got the, our good man Radis, Merrick, Dodonna, um, Draven, Pal, Biston, and last but not least, Tivik. May the Force be with you and your cold corpse on the Ring of Kefri <laughs> after Cassian shot you in cold blood because you were too chubby to climb, climb out. Can't of climb. that alleyway <laughs> yeah i would have been like i'll try and i'll fall down if i can't make it instead of just being like i can't climb dumbass Come euphoric on. nightmare saying i think cassian never addresses a yeah I, cassian's never going to know that he had a hand in creating the device no, that it, kills him that that that's the beautiful irony of the empire right there that they enslave people and then those same people that were enslaved to work on something are going to die by the thing they were enslaved to work on that is like, put that on Palpatine's bumper sticker. I will <laughs> enslave you, I will make you work for free, and then I will kill you with the thing that you work for free on. I mean, come on. <laughs> Who, if, if, if villains are your hero, how can, how can Palpatine not be your number one? I mean, he really is Just the, the greatest villain that actually succeeds with a lot of his plans. Purely I mean, he, he, got, he got to run his empire for, what, over 20 years? I mean, that, that's still pretty impressive. Yeah. He took out the entire Jedi Order to do it. I mean, the guy did some shit, so much so that 40 years after his empire fell, he was still relevant in messing with people and somehow returning. You know? I mean, come on. All right, dude. Well, there you go. That's our uh, Rogue One slash Andor S2 special topic. Now... If that wasn't enough, we got some more for you. Everyone, take a deep breath, recollect your thoughts, because this one could get contentious, because it is a top X moments to us, which means we're going to spit out opinions that you may not like, which in turn is probably going to drive you nuts and make you put up stuff in your stories about how we are commie bastards and suck. But we do it every year. 
Uh, we sat around. We were in the writer's room. Some blood was spilled. Some spittle was flown from our lips. But we decided on 11 top moments. Count it. 11, not 10. Most sites do 10. We did 11. <laughs> so we've got 11 top Star Wars moments of 2022. If you're new here, these moments don't particularly have to be a scene in a show. It could be any any type of Star Wars moment. You know, going to, to go in the celebration, uh, running into someone in the streets, anything that's Star Wars related can make this list. So like I said, we sat down and we cooked up our top 11 Star Wars moments of 2022. And here they are. We got a nice little, I'm, I'm, I'm big into collages these days. It's what I do in my free time. I, I, I manage collages of, of Star Wars imagery. <laughs> but here we go. Our top 11 moments. And, and these aren't in any particular order, Nick. Let's just, we'll, we'll read down what I uh, kind of bulleted out in, in uh, Slack here. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just both talk about why we think these are top moments. You know, Nick had some of his own. I had some of my own. We had some shared ones. That's how we ended up with 11 total. And our graphic kind of um, depicts some of these moments. So, um, you know what, Nick? Let's just, we'll, we'll, we'll go graphic order, kind of like we did for uh, Andor, or our, our Rogue One special topic. And at the end, if you want, we can, we can proclaim our personal top out okay. of this list. All right. So starting with our vision board here, I have a shot of uh, Din with the Darksaber because to me, one of the top Star Wars moments of 2022 was getting Mando 2.5 in the middle of the Book of Boba Fett. So I I thought those episodes were fantastic. You know, episode five was solely dedicated to Din. It got us caught up on what he's been up to since the end of Mando season two. And we learned some key shit that's going to help us in season three. We learned about why in season three he's going to go kind of redeem himself because he loses his Mandalorian title in Mando 2.5 during the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, he gets his new ship in, Man in Mando 2.5. Him and Grogu reunite. We got more Luke moments in Mando 2.5. We got the Grogu Beskar chainmail. Uh, while the Book of Boba Fett itself probably wasn't on a bunch of people's top moments list for 2022, I did find that those, you know, really the last three episodes, with one being fully dedicated to Din, that, that was some great check-in content on our boy and little boy, uh, in in between the hijinks of what our daimyo was getting up to on Tatooine. Yeah, um, those were good moments. I definitely didn't have anything from uh, Boba in my top five, um, but that's just because that, that series was overall pretty forgettable for me. Um, but the moments with, with Mando um, did kind of stand out in general. Uh, got to see Luke's temple being built. Got to see Ahsoka and Luke together. So that, yeah. that's why I I, I just said yeah. Mando two point five. Yeah, it's it's definitely those those scenes in particular would uh, would stand out amongst everything else. Yeah. All right. So up next on our combined list here, uh, I'll, I'll kind of talk about this because this is one of mine. But but Luthen Rial in general. All right, I'll start there. Uh, I've I found Luthen to be 
one of the greatest Star Wars characters of all time as I experienced his arc in Andor season one. And I, I think a lot of that credit has to go to Stellan Skarsgård and, and how he brought this character to life, but also to Tony and his team of writers who gave him some fantastic scenes and even better dialogue to deliver. And really what seals the deal on Luth and Ryle making my top Star Wars moments list is his speech, which has now become within the community known as the sacrifice speech. And it really is. It, it, it's, it's still one of the most deep, hardcore, poignant bits of Star Wars dialogue I have ever heard that not only resonate within the Star Wars universe itself and help explain who Luthen is and why he does what he does, uh, but also, if you just read what he's saying, they're, they're, they're very inspirational type of words. They're, they're, they're words that can cut. And, and if you really listen to the message and take it to heart, there, there's a lot of good shit in there. And, and a lot of stuff a lot of us could, could draw from to become better people, to sacrifice more, to give more of ourselves for those that can't quite stand up for their, themselves. So, Nick, Luthen in general, but in particular, his, his speech are, are, are what made me choose him for this list. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Luthen was definitely the most memorable character from, from Andor. Um, he's one of the reasons why I think that that show should have been renamed to not Andor. Um, because he was so, so pivotal of a character, even more so than the titular character. Uh, so yeah, I mean, his speech standing outside of that elevator hallway, um, definitely worthy of a top five for, for this particular year in Star Wars. All right. So up next... Yeah, Euphoric, don't worry. Luthen ain't making it out of season two. That That's for damn yeah, sure. No, um... All right, Nick, I'll, I'll kind of let you lead on this one because this was our first shared, but you you chose the Obi-Wan versus Vader part two, the final duel, uh, and that's why I included the image of Busted Mask Vader. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, like a lot of my top five revolved around like individual characters uh, for the most part in Star Wars in 2022. It was actually kind of, you know, like 2022... Hard to believe that the only content released in 2022 was Kenobi Andor and Tales of the Jedi. Like technically Boba Fett came out in 2021 and finished his run in 2022. Right. Uh, the, the Obi versus Vader two finale fight was my number one of 22 uh, of, of the year, just because it, it gives us the, the, the full power rematch that uh, we've always wanted to see since the end of episode three. It was it gave us the opportunity to see why at the end or, at, you know, towards the end of, of A New Hope, you know, the line that Vader speaks last time I saw you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. We get to see why he says that, because after uh, beating Obi-Wan up pretty badly in their first rematch in, in Kenobi, um, you get to see. Uh, Obi come back full power and really assert his dominance over uh, over Vader and and prove to him that he still has a lot to learn in his journey. Um, and it was like to me, it was one of the few emotional moments that you had in 2022 for Star Wars because um, I know that you know everybody has 
uh, their own things that kind of tug on their heartstrings for Star Wars. But um, the Kenobi series definitely did that more for me than any of the others that came out in uh, in 2022. So that's that is my number one moment for the year. Oh, look at Nick's already dropping his number one pick. I'll, I'll hold mine. We'll, we'll call that a tease. But yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what Nick said about this scene. For me, I think this this it's, it's definitely a, a standout Star Wars moment of all time. There's no doubt about it. But I think where this scene really resonated with people, Nick, was, was after uh, Vader buried him in the hole. Yeah. And, and Obi-Wan was able to get out of that, you know, the reverse high ground thing. And he confronts him and then just just goes ballistic and beats the shit out of him, cracks his mask. But really, and, and, you know, people say it all the time now, it was heavily quoted and it will continue to be heavily quoted. But uh, what Hayden was saying once the mask cracked, I think that's what really hit emotionally for a lot of fans. Uh, not so much the battle, but but seeing Hayden in the Vader mask and speaking truth to his existence of, you know, this, this is why I am the way I am. You know, fuck you, Obi-Wan, you shouldn't feel bad. I'm the one that killed Anakin Skywalker. You know, that, 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 that's some heavy stuff, and it, mm-hmm. was, it was brilliant to watch for the first time, and I do agree. Uh, there haven't been many emotional Star Wars moments in 2022, uh, but this was definitely one one of the big ones. Not my top overall moment, but definitely in my my top three overall moments of of 2022. Okay, so kind of sticking in line with uh, the Kenobi series, uh, I I put this one on here because if you really th- if you can take yourself back to mid May June ish Star Wars celebration, uh, the promo machine for the Kenobi series. Uh, but I, I I had to put on this list, Nick, the return of Hayden Christensen to Star Wars. In particular, the press tour he and Ewan embarked on for the Kenobi series. I mean, it started in London. I mean, just look at the image I used of these two. I mean, th- th- these gentlemen look like they could, you know, start kissing each other. There, there's so much love between them <laughs> and and kind of rekindling their their bond from the prequel films and, and just some of the, the excellent stories we got out of these two as they were promoting Kenobi and, and seeing the genuine appreciation of Hayden at the celebrations, at these fan events where, where people were showering him with love and letting him know, like, listen, bro, we see you. We got you. Like, we love you. It's a shame you had to go away. We love you. All right. So, uh, it, it, like, the games they made him play and just the hijinks that was coming out of that on the celebration stage, dicking around with high ground stories. And, and it was just, it was fun. It was like watching two family members uh, reconnect after 15 years. But family members that had such a strong bond that it, it never felt like they were ever truly apart. So, it was... Um, just great stuff to see, and hopefully we get more of Hayden Christensen in live-action Star Wars, which, hint, hint, wink, wink, we are. So yep. <laughs> hopefully we're talking about something like this again at this time in 2023. Oh, hold on. We got an idiot in the live stream. Dr. Awesome. What was with the cosplay feature of just a woman wearing lingerie and a Mando helmet the other day? 
I, I don't know what was with it. You, hey, Doctor Awesome, you tell us how we we should run our uh, Star Wars account. What 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 what, what do you mean? What was with it? Where, where in our account does it say we only feature toy photography? Can someone point that out to me? Maybe I missed it. It says use Star Wars Time Show for features, right? Okay, they use Star Wars Time Show for features. It caught my eye and I shared it. Is that all right? Is everyone going to be okay with that type of shit? Okay. Dr. Awesome, don't worry about it, pal. If you don't like it, you can always block or unfollow, right? You must really be a glutton for punishment if you're coming here to talk about it in a live stream. So if we drive you nuts and our content isn't what you want, then go away. Okay? Don't come in here and piss on our fucking show because you don't like some girl in lingerie with a Mando helmet. Who gives a shit? Right? Star Wars time show for features. We never said we're a fucking toy photography account or a feature account. We're a goddamn Star Wars fan account. Okay? We good with the gatekeeping? All right. Go ahead, Nick. Do you have any thoughts on, on Hayden's return? I mean, we've been calling for this since Rogue One, really. Um, this was in the early days of casting for Rogue One when we knew that Vader was going to be in the movie. I think one. this was even before we had la- launched Star Wars time proper. And, uh, you know, it was it was always something that that we knew had to happen just to to make things right in the Star Wars universe with the, you know, the way that things ended for Hayden and how his career had taken a downturn after his Star Wars uh, tenure had ended. So I think that making him, uh, you know, Vader again, having him don the helmet and then re, uh, you know, remake himself in that role was the right thing to do in all facets. And I also think that, it, it you know, it it wasn't just something that, that, we wanted for Hayden. I think it was something that Hayden wanted for himself too. And to have the opportunity to do that meant the world to both the fan base and to the man himself. And, uh, now that, that he's back in and, and, uh, able to, to kind of take up the mantle of Darth Vader again, I think that, that, that fans will be excited to see him return in other facets, whether it be, you know, playing Anakin Skywalker, like we did, uh, uh, see for bits in, in Kenobi or um, seeing him in for, uh, Force Ghost form. So um, that was definitely uh, one of the, the better choices and one of the, the, the top moments of this year for sure. Now, do you think Hayden gets any roles outside of Star Wars or is, is he still I mean, relegated he- to direct to DVD stuff? Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, it's kind of hard because I don't know how much he's he's like, you know, out there and he's trying to get roles. I don't know where he sees his uh, his his acting life going from here. I do. I mean, like you said, he is kind of a direct to DVD or a direct to streaming service type of. Uh, Which of is a shame because he's he's not a bad actor. Yeah, no, he is. He's not like, a bad actor. Um, hey, Dr. Awesome. Stick around. You'll figure me out much more the longer you, you come in here to these Tuesday fun sessions. All right. Have some fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, th- things get aggressive here. Ask Nick. Okay. <laughs> I've yelled at him before. 
I've yelled at many of the fans, and there's reasons many fans don't come back. But if you're going to come in here and start pissing in my sandbox, I'm going to call you out. Because I saw you call me out in, my, in the DMs too, all right? It might not have been you, but all fucking weekend, we had a campaign waged against us by fucking idiots trying to tell us how to run the Star Wars time show on Instagram. It's like, who cares? All right? Yeah. I so mean, I, I don't think you're the idiot that waged the campaign, but you're coming in here like, hey, what's with this? Well, oh my God, you put a girl in a Mando helmet on your Instagram. Like, why is that such a big deal? Go look at Instagram and see what it is. That's all it is, is fucking girls bouncing around. Give me a break. People Welcome get, to the show, bro. People get Stick very around. upset over individual. We Stick have like 17,000 posts on our Instagram. If you don't like <laughs> one, then don't like the, the post. I just, I don't, I don't get it, man. It's just like, hey, why? I don't know. Why do you do anything in life? Because you want to. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, what were we talking about? We were talking about uh, Hayden as, <laughs> as Hayden and his, his, uh, his acting. I mean, if you look at his his IMDb, I mean, he hasn't really done a, a full film no. or anything since 2019. Um, and then after 2019, it's basically just been Star Wars stuff, like the voice that he provided for Rise and then the episodes that he was in for Kenobi and then upcoming his, uh, you know, his episodes that he'll be in for Ahsoka. So I think at this point, he may just have kind of put everything to the side and said, like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, live a different life than what I was trying to live prior to Star Wars and, and you know, just kind of do projects that I'm interested in or only focus on things that 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 really have a, a fan base that supports me. Um, so we'll see where his career goes from here. But I don't anticipate like a huge comeback to Hollywood for for Hayden post Star Wars. All right, we're getting questions here. Hayden, Hayden was mostly only portraying Vader when you need to see Hayden's face. face yeah, everything else it was, was either it was either Tom, like the Tom guy did yeah. most of the action, like the fighting, and then the fired Eastern Bloc guy that did like most of the like full like if you had full to bodies. see Vader from foot to helmet. Yeah, but but anytime you were you were seeing. Hayden's face so in the in the second duel in the tanks that that was definitely him in parts of the suit but anytime you saw a full shot Vader unfortunately no that was yeah, that's someone else it. he's just not tall enough and I guess you know inside the suit they don't want to build stilts into it to make him stand to the full height that he needs to right because uh, then, then they have to do that they like put him his boots like really tall in Revenge of the Sith when he shot the scene yeah. On, on the deck there with Palpatine, they, they had to do some sort of... Yeah, they had of, to do, like, big like Tom, Ultimate Tom Cruise lifts. <laughs> I need yeah. to get some of that shit, like, that, that Tom Cruise has, because I'm, I'm a tiny man, too, so... But he, he somehow, they get him to always do camera angles where he looks taller than everybody, and I swear he's got to wear something in his shoes. But I'm not going to talk shit about Tom, because love him or hate him, goofy or not, the guy is undeniably the biggest movie star of all time. I mean, he, he's had like theater sellout type of career since the 80s and he's still doing it and he doesn't look like he ages. So he probably eats babies. Who knows? <laughs> All right. He's definitely got a blood boy that uh, that Scientology. Hooks yeah, up to like him. from um, no from Mad Max Fury Road, right, where yeah. they have to 
literally capture people from the wasteland to bring in and hook them up to, to those fucking crazy people for uh damn it was this uh morton joe like the, the yeah. i forget what it, what the all those bald boys were called but they literally had to get hooked up to blood bags like you're saying yeah yeah so the, <laughs> tom, tom cruise has one of those that's how he stays looking yeah. so young hey i don't care man he, he's a pimp <laughs> i mean the fact that he's convinced movie studios and insurance companies to let him do most of those crazy ass stunts i mean it just it's brilliant yeah all right, I think we can get back on track now. My armpits are done sweating. I've calmed down a little bit. So, Nick, go ahead and pick up with the next moment here, which would be what, number five? That is one, two, three, yeah. four, five, five. So this is the I, the uh, the Aldani heist episode from uh, Andor. Uh, this this is definitely, to me, the highlight of the, the Andor series because it really pays off on the episodic structure that, Tony had talked about and it was kind of the turning point for the rebellion in terms of their um, their ability to pull off big scale um, jobs and then also fund themselves now with the 40 whatever it was 40 billion 400 billion credit heist lots of lots of credits I think is how they officially titled it yeah and then I think that this was also probably the the best CGI that we saw in the in the show as well, given the the meteor shower that the the crew was escaping through and everything, Ow, dude, it might have been yeah. the most CGI in the whole series. In the whole series, really. yeah. Um, so I think that that one to to me was the highlight of the series and also uh, a top highlight from from the year as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I episode episode six I think would be on most fans of Andor's top list uh, to me nick i i felt it was like episode six and ten were probably the two biggest bangers in terms of paying off on their three episode arc uh, but six really was as we kind of talked a week or two ago when this was one of your favorite moments of the season i mean episode six the eye it, it from start to finish you're just sitting there like white knuckling your chair because it is nothing but tension 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 Heist, more tension, 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 shoot skiing, tension, tension, roll credits. Um, but you also, as Nick said, you, you had that juxtaposed with the visuals in this episode. You know, we, we've talked about Andor and how we all love its production value, but for the most part, it, it, was, a, it was a great rendition of a lived-in, worn-out galaxy. It really wasn't flashy. Uh, it, it's nothing you would see on James Cameron's Pandora outside of what we got on Aldani when the actual, the eye event took place. And, you know, I, I can remember Nick, when we were breaking down that episode, that was one of my most favorite elements of the episode was all the colors and the cover it provided and just how it made the cinematography of that episode really, uh, really stand out. One, one of the most visually impressive looking scenes uh, visuals, whatever you want, effects in all of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. So that that definitely is a uh, a top moment. All right, um, I this one too, I believe, was a shared moment. So go yeah. ahead and and run with Tales and Dooku. Yes, the the Dooku arc from Tales of the Jedi. Honestly, that could have been my number one moment as well. I didn't make it that, but um. The fact that we actually got context into Dooku's Jedi life 
in such a meaningful way um, in, 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 a, in, in a way that really changes the perception of Dooku as a character. Because prior, like prior to this, all we've seen from Dooku in any sort of like live action format or uh, like visual moving pictures formats from Clone Wars and then from uh, obviously the movies, episode two, episode three. Um, and we had no idea what his backstory was, but given the, like, given what they've shown us in Tales of the Jedi and how that drastically affects the story told in episode one, um, it it has to be considered a top moment, even though it only probably was what, 40 minutes of content total. Um, dude, yeah, we're talking in, in three shorts, we got a better turning to the dark side story for Dooku than we got for Anakin in two feature length films. Yeah. I mean, just the, the, the series of events that we see him go through and the characters that he was directly involved with up until literally the death of Qui-Gon Jinn at the end of episode one, uh, gives so much context into not only his character, but also Qui-Gon's character and the way that Qui-Gon uh, wanted to train Anakin and the way that Qui-Gon did train Obi-Wan all makes so much more sense now, given the proximity that Dooku had to these characters and the influence that um, that Palpatine was exerting over him, even during his time in the Jedi Order. Yeah. I mean, dude, let, let's be real. We all love Christopher Lee. We're not going to rag on him. It's not his fault. But you're introduced to Dooku in Attack of the Clones, and he is like your, the epitome of over-the-top, like, yeah. 1920s black-and-white villain. Like, ho, 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 I'm Count Dooku. Ha, ha, ha. Ho, no, ha. Like, that, that, that conversation he has with Obi-Wan on Geonosis. Like, oh, no, oh, you yeah. don't tell me this. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? I mean, it, it has elements of that hallway scene we always rag on from Revenge of the Sith where you're just going, is, is this real? Like, they actually got in a room, had cameras set up, fucking read the lines and filmed it, and George said... That's that a wrap. Yeah. We got it. We got the shot. And <laughs> you just going, what? Yeah. He is. Like, Dooku is, he's he's a laughable, like, almost a, a buffoon type of villain in Clone Wars and then Rots. But as Nick's saying here, in less than 30 total minutes, he becomes a fully realized, emotionally fleshed out character whose decisions that we never knew about now make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, his first episode you, you, you see there, you, you, he, he is already seeing how corrupt the Senate is and how the Senate uses the Jedi against the population. And he's ready to kill motherfuckers right there. Episode two, Mace Windu, Mr. Goody Two Shoes. Again, stuff happening with a corrupt Senate. And Mace Windu, oh, we got to play by the rules. I'm, I'm trying to make the, the council, yeah, so saying, I'm going to make you look bad. Mace he's Windu, like literally trying to make Dooku look bad. Yeah, like Mace Windu, prior to becoming a grand master on the Jedi Council, like just knowing that those two characters were literally vying for the same position on the council, and if it would have just gone slightly a different way, you would have had a completely different story arc for for so many of these characters right. that we saw in the prequel trilogy. I mean, there just so much content, so much rich story, background, and history told in such a short amount of time. It's brilliant. And then the, his final episode, Nick. Right? We we learn 
The dude's literally in the Jedi Order as the Phantom Menace is taking place. The movie that, you know, some of you, it's your life. It's my favorite prequel, too. But I was 19 when it came out, so, yeah, whatever. But he was there. I mean, yeah. Dooku was in the Order. He was already deleting Kamino. He was already work doing shady shit for Sidious, thinking he was doing the right thing. He did. Yeah. It, it, but it made sense. Where, where Anakin's change never made sense. Like, how, how can you say the way Anakin turns in the movies makes sense to who he is yeah okay yes he wanted to save padme but you you all really believe in the snap of a fucking finger anakin skywalker is just oh yeah fuck it i'm gonna chop off this guy's arm and and sell out no we you weren't given any of that the clone wars has helped you see his anger you see his impatience throughout that you see him beating up padme former boyfriend so like yeah this guy's a lunatic and one one wrong push in one wrong direction he's gonna go crazy but you don't get that. In 30 minutes, I got everything I could ever want for a, a Jedi that sought out the dark thinking it was the right decision. But it made sense for Dooku because of what how his story was kind of told in very short bursts in Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it was, it was you, a man. perfect job. If, if, if George would have had the cognizance back in the 90s to be like, man, let's... I don't even like, obviously George probably didn't even, you know, who, who knew, knows how much of, of that little arc he had planned if he had any of it planned, or if this was just purely the, the, the mind of Dave Filoni at work here, but just imagine how much just 30 minutes would have changed the entire landscape of the prequel movies. If that was included immeasurable amount of difference that would have made. Um, yeah. So that, that definitely is a, is a, highlight moment of 2022 and you could you could argue one of the best canon additions that's happened to the star wars universe in the last three years yeah 100 percent. we're getting connor's telling us here in the dooku book that at that, that uh, apparently at that time he was not a jedi but it was was allowed to hang out in the temple and people would call him master i don't know like i i, I can't read so I'm going to have to trust you, but I'm also going to say the book's probably full of shit at this point. Because <laughs> yeah, Floney's, like, Floney's like, nah, we're going to do this. I, I, just, I don't know. I mean, was it common to allow Jedi that left the Order to come back and hang out? Because I didn't see Ahsoka doing much there. And I'm not talking shit on Connor. He's just reporting what a book says. Yeah. But sometimes uh, the books kind of get out in front of themselves. And then Lucasfilm comes in and is like, oh, yeah, fuck you. And You're I know book, that so that book. You can be relegated. Yeah. I know that that book that he's referring to has been was released after like the canon reset too. So it is. Yeah, I know. I, I, that well, they- <laughs> dude. Well, here, here's here's my here's my deal. So was the Ahsoka book, but Tales of the Jedi contradicts that book. So, yeah, so it's, it's- what, what's what's canon? What Filoni is putting forward now, or what an author that was hired to write a story? I don't know. Like I said, it's yeah. dicey with the books, and I think that's one of the main reasons I will continue to avoid them because it does seem. Disney Lucasfilm, they're 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 very quick to to abort book canon in favor yeah. of moving images. Very true. It's very we'll see if any of that happens with uh what's currently written in the High Republic and then when, <laughs> yeah, when the Acolyte comes out. The whole fucking High Republic is gonna be retconned once they decide, yeah, let's start making shows about it. like the acolyte's gonna be the first step to retconning High Republic content. Yeah, so uh. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, hey, Connor, I, I believe you, man. And, and I'm sure that's what they thought. I, I just you never know. Once once Dave sinks his teeth into something, <laughs> I, I don't know. 
I, I do think the books lose out, but that's me. I'm stupid. I don't read. So we're going to have to rely on your expertise there. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to take this next one because this was kind of a, one of my choices. But I, I've got to, I've got to nominate. I had to include Nicholas Bertel and his Andor score in my top Star Wars moments of 2022 list. It's not a moment per se, uh, but I honestly think Bertel's score is one of the big reasons Andor, the whole package of Andor, felt so perfect. Uh, like if you listen to it, he he slightly tweaks the intro in every episode, the theme it to the episode. That was brilliant. Obviously, what he did with the uh, Farrakh's band was brilliant. Uh, the, the music he was playing during the prison breakout helped with Kino Loy's speech bring a tear to my eyes. So I know that this dude, maybe not on the same level and scope, has figured out how to use music to enhance a Star Wars property. Oh, yeah. And uh, even more so than The Mandalorian or The Book of Boba Fett. And like, don't get me wrong. Their theme songs fucking kick ass. Ludwig. And The Mandalorian theme song, when it gets into the... Da, 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 I, mm. I, get, I get worked up. Like, emotionally, I think about my kid. It's like, yeah! So that works me over, too. But it, it, the music for the episodes in Mando and Book of Boba Fett, they, they never really, I felt like, added to uh, the emotions outside of, obviously, the big Luke moment. Bretel's score, I feel like with just like with Williams in the movies, it was another character yeah. that completely enhanced every aspect of Andor, the acting, uh, the way the scenes, the tone, everything. So Nicholas Bretel, Andor score. There you go. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I mean, the music has always been as important of a part of Star Wars as the visual and the story has been. And we've seen you know, instances where the music has missed and it, you know, it just kind of fades into the background and doesn't, it's not really additive to the Star Wars experience. Um, but yes, Bretel in Andor was able Case to- Case in point, of, Rogue One's opening theme, like yeah. when the title comes across the screen, it's like, whoa, what? It's that like doesn't, that, that's a little weird. That was cool opening scene, but then you're just like, Rogue One, <laughs> da, da, da. it's like, oh, okay. Like, okay. So that's what yeah. it like when, when John's not- Right yeah. in the score, okay. And Mr. Williams okay. has stepped aside. Things are very different. Um, well, hey, dude, yeah. these days they'll just fucking chat, chat GPT, Williams. Like, we've already got AI Vader. We've got AI Luke. Oh, yeah. It's only a matter of time before they, they, they machine learn a musical composing bot that they'll just teach to be like John Williams. So yeah. it's so, coming. We'll <laughs> see know? when that happens. He, hey, he could you imagine, like, let's say, you know, you know, Nick gets into the AI stuff. Let's say this music thing becomes a thing and he gets hired. This is how he'll write a song for the next Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars, comma, John Williams, comma, good music. And it'll literally it just, just like it spit out. out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll spit out like the main Star Wars theme. They'll be like, ah, I did it. <laughs> I fucking like, did man, it. Here you work, go, man. Gilroy. Slap this bitch on there. It's ready to go. Huh. All right. So, yeah, Bretel. Uh, okay, Nick, this one is was one of your solos, so go ahead and you can kick the, the next moment off here. We are on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're yeah, up to so number eight. Eight, eight of 11, and, and we're back to uh, to Kenobi territory here. I know that, that most of the Star Wars fan base hated Kenobi. Obviously, I didn't because two of the moments from that, actually three of the moments from that show were going to make my top five. 
I um, watched it three times, so but, uh, I liked it. <laughs> but um, the the first encounter of Kenobi and Vader in the Vader series, where it's very clear that Kenobi is still gripped with his fear, gripped with failure, that right. uh, you know that saw Anakin fall to the dark side and also realization that, that Anakin has become this monster that is now rampaging across the galaxy, killing the remaining Jedi and, and putting a stranglehold. He, he also of, could barely use the force yeah, right at I this mean, point. Like Kenobi was barely even retapped into the juice. Yeah. I mean, you, you could see that like he just didn't have what was necessary mentally, physically, or in his, his force ability to, stand up to his former apprentice and that scene in particular where he gets dragged through the fire as Vader says, um, you'll experience something, something near, like you'll experience what I had to experience. I mean, that was a powerful moment, um, where Kenobi is taken to task for not only his failure as a master to Anakin, but his failure and even his empathy towards his former apprentice, leaving him to burn on the, on the, you know, the side of the, the, the river of lava on Mustafar, uh, such a powerful moment and also a turning point in, in, in Kenobi's life at that point, because now he realizes that he can't run away from his failure. He can't just hide in the darkness, hide in the caves in, in Tatooine and just hope everything is going to be okay. He needs to, you know, find his his former strength to be able to make right what what he had a part in making wrong in the galaxy and i think that that moment um for that character in particular is very powerful and um is it was a very interesting moment for us to see as fans cuz we never i mean we never had an inkling that that obi-wan even went through anything like that we all we always thought that his torture was mental um, he, was, he was cool as a cucumber. I mean, by the time we meet him again in New Hope, he's fucking chilling, making yeah. great dragon noises, scaring away sand people. Yeah, cutting jokes with Luke. You know, he's he's like a crazy old hermit. Yeah, until that point, we thought that that all of the anguish that Obi Wan felt was due to his own making, due to his own uh, isolation and in his own mental kind of you know, recounting of, of his failures, but to see the physical ramifications and him being taken to task by Vader in that way really changes his time between episodes three Mm -hmm. and four in a, in a pretty big way. I mean, that, that's why Obi-Wan was great. It it had such a defined arc for the character. I mean, he went from cave bum, you know, feeling sorry for himself. Meh, no one will talk to me in the force. I failed him. Blah, blah, blah. I, I'm too becoming the guy. Yeah. Like becoming the old wise at peace man that Luke uh, eventually runs into and, and learns a bit from uh, before he sacrifices himself on the Death Star. I, I'm glad some of the fans are coming out here in support of Kenobi, Dr. Awesome, Connor, Tones, because that show got shit on so hard after it had finished and even during its run that I was like, man, like at this point, I just don't understand what fan like Star Wars fan base is like, you know, like obviously, you know, you're going to have some degradation in terms of your fit, your, your visual quality because you're working a lot in the volume and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, the way that people were like shitting on that show and 
you know, the way that I felt about it was just so disconnected from what the greater fan base was like. I was like, I don't even know if, 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 if I don't know if I'm wrong here or, or what the deal is. Yeah, dude, thank you. Cause Kenobi and the, and the fan reaction is what ultimately broke me over the summer and got me to just finally not give two fucks about how people consume Star Wars programming. Because I, I really do like, I, I, it's, it's a sickness. I'm not saying this is mentally healthy. But I, I would really get fucking bummed out when people wouldn't like Star Wars that I liked. Because like Nick said, you, you start to feel like, am I, am, am I fucking goofy or something? What's wrong with my eyes and brains that I'm not feeling this much anger towards this property that these other people are? Like I'm genuinely uh, enjoying it. And ultimately I was ruining Star Wars. I mean, I ruin it every Tuesday when I talk about it, but... <laughs> I was, I was, it was like, I was taking on their hate for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was taking it personally, like almost like they were talking shit about my family. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, dude, you need to disconnect. Like it's fucking star Wars. If they hate it and they want to hate, watch it. So be it. That should not affect how you process things. And I was really letting it affect. I mean, look, uh, Trevor's in here now. I mean, I, I was screaming at him over <laughs> over the summer because he didn't like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like yeah. I was literally genuinely upset with my friend Trevor because he was talking shit on Kenobi. Now I'm sure he's talking shit again. It's like, <laughs> I, go for it. I don't care because in the, hey, that's how he feels. So what? I'm not going to change his mind. I enjoyed it. Nick enjoyed it. Some, some of you other people did too. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, but it's, it, it is one of those things that like, because we have so much passion for, we want everybody else to feel the same way that we do about content. And like, it is like, it gets to a point to where it's like, after you see so much negativity out there, you're like, man, am I just like yes. wrong? It, like, am I that's, just, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like I, I like I said, uh, you know, Trevor, you're right. Who cares what other people like or don't? It, it took me a while to get there. And I, and I, there are times with certain people, people I respect enjoy have a have a relationship beyond just star wars time show i would really get upset like angry like stunt buddy it it drives me nuts (laughs) that he does not like disney star wars and he's one of these people that just always has to find the negative there's nothing good anymore it's all bullshit and you know all this all what they call it woke and blah 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 that shit bumps me the fuck out like this dude and i we went to celebration two when cosplaying wasn't a thing, we drove there as poor college kids, you know, had our own Jedi outfits, walked around. That was that was it. And he became a stuntman because of Star Wars. And, and now we can't even talk about it yeah. because he triggers me because he doesn't like it. So I'm, it, I'm getting there. I'm getting it's, there. It's tough, man. It's, it's <laughs> tough. A lot. Especially for you guys going to Celebration 2 for arguably the worst Star Wars movie ever. Attack of the Clones, baby. <laughs> we were we were like, yeah, yeah, the new Star Wars. Let's go, Anakin. Look at his look at his Padawan look outfit. His I mean, that that's rat tail, that's what man. my boy, my boy, literally made his own Anakin Jedi tunic, like legit leather straps, everything. I mean, we were into it. Star Wars was life, and then he's like a lot of people just does not like Disney star Wars one bit. Won't tolerate it. Won't, won't change their mind. Won't try to, the new stuff. So we, we don't even talk about star Wars that much anymore and it blows, but yes, I I've learned over the summer. I, I think all of you should commend me. I did pretty damn good with Andor and not dedicating our, our breakdown time to bitching and moaning about fans being pissed about no aliens or bricks or screws 
I just like, hey, fuck it. Who cares? I really don't give a shit anymore. If I'm getting my dead ass up at 430 in the morning to make content that no one watches, why should I sit there and give myself a fucking ulcer worried about what other people think of Star Wars? End of story. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next up. We got the Kino Loy speech. And this is the one that like... um, Matt, you. Oh, this is me. So I guess I, say, I, I yeah. should run with this you, one. You yeah, thump I, your I chest you, on this one very hard. Yeah, this you, is you, like you a, fucking hate this guy in this moment <laughs> because the you're like the speech is okay. The end of it yeah. where he's like, I can't swim. I'm like, dude, are you like? I knew, I knew this one would. This, I, I was like, this might be on Nick's worst moments <laughs> list, but I'm going with it. I'm running with my friends. I'm Teen Kino. Kino Loy lives. But the one way out speech, however you want to take it, 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 I think for me, a lot of it was Andy Serkis's performance. But as I said earlier, when I was talking about Nicholas Bertel, if you go back to that moment and watch him deliver the speech and listen to the music and then see the other prisoners break out and like the, the music starts to crescendo. Yeah, one way, yeah, one way, yeah. I mean, that shit gets me up and moving and emotional because that music component is in there. Andy's performance is in there, and when they make it to the, 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 the precipice there, and, you know, Kino and then ultimately Cassie and Melshi understand, like, hey, the guy that just kind of let us out of here and, and got us all charged up and motivated, he can't, he can't make the final jump. And to me, that was sad. To Nick, it was laughable. But as we just discussed, we're not going to sit here and get in a pissing <laughs> match over it. Just jump. Even even though both of us probably want to, with me even more so wanting to, but it's all good. I, I find it to be an emotional moment. It was one of my favorite moments of Andor. And uh, like I said, when I watch it for the second time, that shit hit hard, knowing what was going to happen uh, with our with our man Kino. He had another good line, you know, no more than 12. But I, I, I to me, his standout was the one way out speech. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. The speech was very strong. I think that Andy Serkis did a fantastic job of bringing that character to life, his second character in the Star Wars universe, who will eventually become his first character in the Star Wars universe, as I said before. Um, Yeah, I mean, the speech itself was fantastic, definitely. Real quick for Dr. Awesome, all we know is that Tony Gilroy himself said in an interview after the episode, I didn't see him die, did you? So. He, he's kind of, I think he's leaning on the trope that in, in TV or movie, if you don't see a character physically die and dead, like dead corpse, dead, then there's always a possibility. Yeah, especially in uh, Star Wars, where like, we've seen people, so many people fall down wells, disappear off screen, whatever, 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 and just come back and be alive. That's why everybody's still waiting for Mace Windu to come back. Because technically, we didn't I, I see mean, him die. Yes, Yes, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And knowing what Dave and John are getting into, especially Dave, there's a fucking chance he is going to come back. So Let's do it, man. Bring and, him and back. And it does seem these days, if celebrities get a hold of these guys on Twitter, they can fan cast themselves or fan write themselves. So, yeah. I mean, it, it worked for Rosario. That's you never true. know. Sam's tried it a few times, so they, they could already be shooting the role at this moment. <laughs> That's you true. just don't know. <laughs> so... Uh, I love Trevor. You see, it's all good. Nick is wrong and we just move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nick. uh, We both have things to say on this next one, uh, but since it was yours originally, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? Because I have like a 
herpy in my throat. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I, I just put this as young Leia in my top five because I think that Vivian Lyra Blair in uh, her like uh, portrayal of young Leia in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series was so on point to a young Princess Leia and so pitch perfect in terms of how that character would have been as a child that it, it completely transforms that that character from the get-go now because it's not like she like you know when when Leia got older she she like got this personality or it wasn't because of the people that she was around like Leia was this firecracker from the moment that she was able to form words essentially in the in the relationship that she formed with Kenobi over that period of time through the series has essentially changed the way that I look at not only Kenobi, but also Leia in their, in their roles and later in star Wars. Um, she really kind of recreated Carrie Fisher as much as any actor of any skill level could have done and did it in such a perfect way that like, Everybody who watches the Kenobi series is like, man, that girl was per like, I don't know anybody who didn't say that she was perfect as young yeah, Leia. It, I mean, honestly, it's yeah. going to, it's going to be sad to see her career fizzle out because you know, it's coming. It's sadly for people like this. Yeah. Like child actors typically. Very don't have- few of them <laughs> can extend it into an actual productive adult career. Uh, I'm trying to think of who was that? She was a young girl back in the day. She was in The Patriot with Mel Gibson. She started getting a bunch of like starring roles, like a like a little blonde. I think she had a few in her teen years, but now she's like just disappeared. I mean, I even think she was up for an Oscar at one point in time. I wish I could remember her name. That would make that 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 would help. But uh, yeah, I mean, who who is the little girl in The Patriot? Can you can you Google that up real quick? Yeah, I'm looking now. I think her name was. Was it Lisa Brenner? I think. No. No. Was it? Okay. Then was it? There's only Jolie Richardson. I don't know if that was it. Man, I could just be making stuff up at this yeah. point. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It was his daughter, right? It was It was his daughter. Yeah. So it was Sky Bartusiak was her. No, that's not it. Damn it. I'm off. I don't know then. Because there's, there's like a lot of, I don't know. Mika you, I'm telling you, we, we will all know. know her name if my <laughs> dumb ass ever figures it out. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It, it, it was like that big of a name. Like it, it stood out. Maybe I mean, she wasn't in the. It was, I mean, like the one where I'm calling out is like she appeared. Uh, she was also in Laura Ingalls Wilder stuff, Boogeyman 2005, Don't Say a Word 2001. It, they are listing this Sky McCole Bartusiak girl as. Maybe she changed her name. Yeah, I'm not sure. She's also, she had also, she passed away in 2014. Oh God. This girl. Okay. So. Oh, you know what? That, I, I'm I'm thinking of the wrong movie. Oh, so it's not The Patriot? That, that's, that's not the girl, but hey, whatever. It, it was pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Completely pointless. Yeah. Wow, Matt, bringing down the room. Hey, uh, Dakota Fanning, there we go. Oh, Dakota, Thank yeah, you, Dakota, that's Dakota, it. Dakota Fanning was... Bam! <laughs> Thank you. CTLKLR007. She definitely wasn't in the Patriot, but you know what I mean. She was in like some big shit. Yeah. Yeah. She was in the world. She was in. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. So listen, 
I'm not I'm not cursing <laughs> young Vivian. I'm just, you know, bringing some reality into the room. I'm all about it. You're right. Look at Drew Barrymore, but find me w- one other person like Drew Barrymore. It, it, it doesn't really happen that awesome. A lot so. of child stars do have a hard time maintaining. And, and again, hey, I'm pulling for her, and I'm a very negative man, but I'm, I'm pulling for her because of what Nick was saying. So I'm I, sorry. I think I cut off some of your, your, your words for her. Do you have anything else on Vivian? Um, I mean, no, I mean, you know, I think that she handled that spotlight, which is an impossible spotlight to handle given the character that you're playing in the universe that you're playing it in with such grace and professionalism for somebody her age. Um, I hope that if there are, you know, if, if time goes on and she ages into a more adolescent, uh, princess Leia and they do, make a piece of content with an adolescent princess Leia after she's aged into it. I hope she gets to play it again because she was so good at capturing all of who princess Leia was at such a young age that it was, it was an unforgettable performance. There's no way they'll do it, but I think if they, if they brought her in during the first three episode run of Andor season two, Vivian could technically probably still be playing young teen Leia. Yeah. So. Uh, but if we if we're talking towards the end of of Andor, then no, it's got to be CG CGI robot looking Leia from Rogue One. Yeah, since they will not. Be yeah, un, un, uncanny Valley Leia is probably a better. That's better yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I love uh, we all love our girl Carrie, but if you really study that moment in Rogue One, like Hope, you, you just go, oh shit, like this this lady wants the credits roll. This version of Princess Leia probably like malfunctions and murders everyone on the Tanty <laughs> Four because like she's a robot. You know what I mean? Yeah, back then. All right, um, technology. To to kind of uh, expand upon this because I also had young Leia, but my my caveat was Ben and Leia. That's kind of how I I posed it on the list. So I'm glad Nick fleshed out Vivian's contribution here, and he's 100 percent correct. I'm gonna go to hell for potentially saying that she may not have a career beyond child roles and and I, I i'll accept that fate but for me it was really the moments her and, and ewan had as ben and there's three in particular that that stand out uh, is an episode two as they're running from reva is really one of the first times that ben relates a story to her about her mother and, and that anytime they would talk about the past just so fucking emotional and touching uh, Ewan did a fantastic job bringing life to those heavy scenes. And, and obviously Vivian, as a kid, uh, giving him someone to act off of to kind of get to that place, explaining her mother Padme to her. Uh, the second moment between the two was when they were in the back of that, that, that farm vehicle mm-hmm. on the planet before Vader shows up. And, and that's when he's, she straight out asked him, like, are you my dad? And that's where he explains, like, listen, no, I mean, I, I wish I was. I know your dad and your mom, great people. And then obviously the, 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 a real big one and one that kind of sets up a new hope and why she would contact him is the uh, finale where he goes to Alderaan to say goodbye to her and delivers those deeply emotional lines of, hey, let me give you some insights into your parents like your dad was x y and z your mom was abc and you're everything of that combined you're great and then he essentially says like listen we we can't talk about this like you and i we never met 
we never went on these adventures because we'll both be in trouble if we, you know, talk about this or, or, or share the family album at, at Christmas or uh, so on and so forth. So that, that was my, it was right along the same lines as Nick, but I really, the, the scenes with young Leia that, that hit were the ones where her and Ben were talking about Padme and Anakin. Yeah. Huh. All right. And the last one. And Nick's probably going, what, what the hell are we talking about here? But I think the way I had it written down is Lord Gilroy pays off on his arrogance and promises as a top moment. And, you know, Nick and I, we, we created the Lord Gilroy character. We gave the guy a lot of shit based on his arrogant and cocky interviews, both past and present. Uh, he was a fun character on the show for a good part of this year, really from, you know, the summer through Andor. And, you know, at times his arrogance might rub you the wrong way or you might be like, oh, yeah, it's just Tony and roll your eyes. But if we sit here and honestly talk about what he and his team produced in Andor, it's hard to say that he wasn't right on all fronts. Like everything he told us was exactly what he delivered and it was exactly at the level and quality that he told us to expect. And uh, I, we we all learned through the sequels and other Star Wars projects. A lot of times, when you got the directors out there and the writers blowing smoke and hyping, that's what it is. It's it's fucking hype. Tony was talking true, and he never veered, and he did. I mean, he literally paid off on every single thing he said Andor was going to be, and I felt like we needed to honor him and his arrogance, and his lordship that we have granted him in 2022, the year of the Gilroy. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we, you know, I made fun of him a lot. We made fun of him a lot leading up to uh, to Andor because just of how he was approaching the media side of things. Like, he was essentially saying, like, oh, I, I know how to make Star Wars. Nobody else knows how to make Star Wars. Uh, I'll, I'll show you guys how this is supposed to be done uh, just wait till you see my show. And, and we really did kind of like jump I mean, bro, on. The, this went all the way back to Rogue One. That oh, yeah. We've been we've created the Lord Gilroy character because yeah, of I mean, how he comes across in, in media. Because, I mean, yeah, from Rogue One, Tony literally directed 20 minutes of a movie. And he was like, yeah, I did the whole thing. I made the whole movie. I saved it. Yeah, <laughs> this I, guy was an idiot. I saved this whole movie. When like, <laughs> yes, the end of the movie was cool. But also like the rest of that movie was also equally as cool. So like. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he, he delivered, he delivered in a big way and he, he was able to take the, the element of star Wars that a lot of people put into the background, which are these characters that aren't, you know, like the big famous ones like Kenobi and Vader and Skywalker and all of the other ones that we, that we see in a lot of star Wars content and, and bring those, those characters to the forefront and show that you can make a fantastic piece of media, a fantastic show with just characters that you've essentially never heard of. Um, and it really does open up a new world of opportunity for how you tell stories in star Wars. Now for other directors who aren't like, you know, I want to tell a story about Boba Fett. I want to tell a story about Luke Skywalker. I want to tell a story about Yoda. You can now say like, I want to tell a story about the formation of the rebellion. I want to tell a mm -hmm. story about you know, the, the in-between period of time uh, between episode seven and episode six and not have the focus be on 
these giant titular characters that we've always been focused on. So he really did deliver on what he said, said that he was going to do. And even though I like to give him a lot of shit for, for essentially just having two drums attached to himself at all times that he's beating (laughs) no matter whatever, you know, whatever he's doing. Yes. He he made it happen. Even dude, even his cast, like, remember we were talking about that. You, you, they, they, they would interview Diego and they'd essentially be, Proxy interview. Yeah, proxy Tony. Tony and, and you would get proxy Tony through Diego. He'd be like, Yeah, Tony's the man. Tony said this. So yeah, it's awesome. Tony is the man. Tony is the man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hey, it's impressive, man. A lot of times when when people are that that cocky, it's usually to cover something, but not Tony. Uh, I, I, I do think Tony would have a great time on the Star Wars time show. I feel like we're <laughs> the type of people he would like to talk to. Uh, I think we we can get in the gutter. He likes to get in the gutter a little bit. I don't um, know if I, he could, like, if we talked about him when he's on the show, like we talk about him when he's off of the show. I don't know if he could take those ego hits. <laughs> like, he doesn't seem. I like think somebody- he would love if if someone would create the story of Matt and Nick and their uh, and their journey with Lord Gilroy. I think he would he would love that that movie. Seeing how we were like kind of. You know, we we were naysayers. We were adversarial towards him. We would talk shit. We made up monikers for him. But then over time, he proved himself, and and our tune started to change. Right, this would be like the three quarter portion of a a Christmas movie, where they realize like, oh wow, they 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 do love me, and I love them too. And we can't, we can't, we can't let this separate us anymore. So, you know, we got to knock down every wall possible and then it would just be a big love fest. I do think he would appreciate how we've come full circle. Because uh, I have a feeling Tony talks like us behind closed doors. Like, hey, that guy's a fucking <laughs> idiot. Fuck this guy. They're stupid. <laughs> I'm the best. Oh, yeah. Uh, he is the man. So there you go. Um, I, I, Nick gave us his overall number one. That was the the Vader v Kenobi part due. Part due, yes. Ah, man, for me, this is tough. It really is. Because I, I was also big Kenobi Homer because of the ties of Skywalker Saga and all the magic. Uh, but I do think I let enough fan negativity fuck me up on that one. So that's my bad. Um... Shit, man, I may, I think it's a toss up between meeting the character of Luthen Rael in that speech and, and, and Andor's score, believe it or not. I like, I, I'm very moved by music in life, all, all forms of music. Like yeah. mu- music is one of the only things that can get this, this emotionless husk of a human to feel something. Uh, and it's it, sadly the the feelings are never positive. It's usually sadness or anger is what <laughs> music brings out in me. Like I like my, you know, last week we were talking about Fear Factory. I like to throw that on when I want to, you know, punch a wall or run through a wall or bang my head off of my punching bag. And if I want to feel like shit, I'll listen to music that I was listening to when when I had to put my eighteen year old cat down or or stuff like that. So, ha. <sighs> You know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm gonna give it to Stalin and Luth and Rael in the sacrifice speech. I I don't know. It just resonates with me. It, it was we've just we've never been given a performance like that or dialogue like that, and it, it was just it was perfect. It was just just fucking perfect. And I think it was one of the best 
ways to describe what it must have been like to be in this rebel movement at that time and the sacrifice that you would have to make to, to do what Luthen did. So there you go. My number one, Luthen, the intro of Luthen Rael and his speech on sacrifice. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a worthy top moment for sure. All right. So hopefully that was fun. We're not done yet, though. We're not even to the fan segment. We actually got a pretty uh, juicy little Ahsoka rumor to process through that I know most of you hardcore people have looked at because it, it was it was the hot button issue of the week last week. Uh, but making Star Wars is out there dropping bombs left and right. And as we said, if it's coming from MSW, there's a good chance it's legit. And the guy has a very good track record when it comes to rumors becoming real and leaks becoming real. So... As we always do, I don't really think what we're about to talk about should shock anyone that's kind of in the know and understands Star Wars lore and how it's all connected and what you may see in a series that features Ahsoka. But just in case, spoilers, spoilers, mm -hmm. spoilers. All right. So up first, according to MSW, and really, I, I'm not trying to take credit here, but when Nick and I have speculated on what Ahsoka could be based on the logo reveal and its ties to something called the world between worlds, a lot of this makes complete fucking sense and should be exciting. Uh, but up first, in the Ahsoka series, we are going to get multiple Ahsokas but it's not necessarily going to be via flashbacks. That's the interesting thing. It's sounding like from MSW's reports that we are going to be exposed to moments in Ahsoka's life through the world between worlds. So it's not necessarily going to be a flashback. It's more or less going to be a what if. Would you say I'm correct there, Nick? Yeah. Like war, war between worlds can be used to do what if stuff. It's not just for time travel. You could... You can the remove people. Yeah. Yeah. You can remove people from a timeline, which would create essentially a different timeline. So, um, but it, it, it sounds like the multiple Ahsokas will be delivered through this world between worlds. If you're not familiar with it, you need to watch star Wars rebels. Right. I believe at least season three and four, four for sure. But it's, it's essentially star Wars version of time travel and the multiverse. Yes. Okay. So, Fans should specifically expect to see a Teenage Clone Wars era Ahsoka. The Ahsoka the White from the Rebels, uh, Rebels epilogue and then obviously Mandoverse era Ahsoka. Uh, MSW is reporting that there's going to be a different actress altogether to play the younger Ahsoka, uh, but does not know if Eckstein is going to provide the voice or anything like that. And last but not least... These shots of a younger Ahsoka, like I said, aren't going to be flashbacks like per se. It's going to be more like, hey, if I would have done this, what would my life have played out to be type of stuff? Uh, but these are, these are going to be more glimpses versus the main plot. So the main plot is still going to be Mando versus Era Ahsoka. Okay. So... Getting into the WBW aspect of all this, the world between worlds... So this is going to be the, the main driver of seeing Ahsoka at these different times in her life. But like I said, it's going to be more of a what-if memory than a, a true flashback. And, and by that, what I mean is, it sounds like, dude, she's going to be using the, the WBW to essentially 
see if there were different outcomes for her life if she would have returned to the Jedi Order. That seems to be like the main moment that she seems to revisit and question. Yeah. So th- this is this is more speculation based on these rumors. But Nick, it's it, it's going to sound like a good part of Ahsoka is going to be her coming to terms with her her past and her destiny and realizing that no matter what she tries to do to her past, her destiny will always remain unchanged because it has to like her destiny has to be what it was to ensure that whatever happens with the Skywalkers happens, so on and so forth. Yeah. It makes sense um, for her character that had such a giant trajectory shift in her life at like a very specific point. You know, usually that doesn't happen to a person. And when it does, there's always that like moment when where you think back and you're like, what if I didn't do this? Like, what if I exactly like for what if I moments didn't leave? Like, what if I didn't choose to leave or what if I chose to come back shortly after or something? Yes. Like that? Yep. Yeah, like like for me, we, we all have fork in the road moments in our life. Mm-hmm. I hope you do. Otherwise, you've just sat in your parents' basement the whole time. But, you know, a big one for, for me would be, you know, what, what if my dad never got relocated when I was in high school? What, what would have happened to my life if I just stayed in Pittsburgh and never got moved to Columbus when I was a freshman? That, that's a moment clearly in my life that really fucking forked it out in a different direction. So very good, Nick. That, that's that's yeah. kind of how I'm... I'm I'm thinking they're going to use the world between worlds for Ahsoka so she can kind of come to grips with the fact like, you know what? Leaving the order is what I was supposed to do, because even if I didn't, we're still ending up. And here's going to be the fun part. So continuing on with the rumor here, uh, she's going to be seeing all these different possible outcomes for her life via the world between worlds. And that no matter what happens, all these moments lead to a particular major moment in her story, which is the choice to leave the Jedi Order. So uh, MSW is reporting that we are going to see moments that if she did return, what would have happened? And here's the kicker. So if she did come back to the Jedi Order, what we would have seen in Revenge of the Sith would have been Ahsoka fighting Anakin on Mustafar and not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ahsoka would have been the high ground person, not Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it sounds like we are going to see that. Fans are going to get the glimpse of that Clone Wars era Ahsoka on Mustafar, potentially saying, you are my brother, Anakin, type of shit. That is going to be titties. Yeah, all right? I know that's not the best pretty- way to describe it, but seeing that play out in live action with Hayden, like Hayden Hayden, going to be excellent. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it goes on. So we're going to get this, I know technically he was Darth Vader, but you know, he's Anakin Lord Vader Skywalker at that point. So we should be seeing that in the Ahsoka series in one of these, what if moments. And, uh, and it's like I said, she's going to learn through the WBW that no matter what, no matter what changes, even, even if she came back to Jedi order, she would have had to been the one to maim Anakin Skywalker because the force, whatever you want to call it, the universe, the galaxy, her destiny was always going to be what it turns out to be. The Skywalkers have to fall. Like Anakin has to fall that that there's no way to prevent that. So she is going to slowly learn that. And that kind of like how Kenobi learned over his six episodes, like, okay, I I, I shouldn't feel so bad about this. And I should open myself up back to the force. Ahsoka is going to have a similar arc where, 
she's probably feeling bad. Like, did Anakin do this because I left him type of shit? Very similar to what, what Ben was experiencing in the caves. Uh, so what else we got here? Oh, uh, yeah. So in essence, WDW will show Ahsoka that Anakin was truly destined to fall. Okay, we got all that stuff. Uh, yeah. She is going to see some other moments in WBW, uh, like like uh, Nick's about to bring up here. So she is going to revisit, like, what? well, if I would have killed Thrawn instead of letting Ezra sacrifice himself, would that have prevented something? And she's going to learn, no, that would have had that had to happen, too. So, like I said, everything that WBW is showing her and she's trying to learn, it's she is going to figure out in the end, like, th- there's nothing I could have done. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. I could have done. I could have just like Ezra did for me. I could have went right through one of those portals and and pulled Anakin out, but it wouldn't have mattered. I, I, I we'd we'd still end up with him falling to the dark side and the galaxy going into a period of darkness. Um, so that's that's all cool stuff. So uh, like we said here, and this is you know speculation for myself and MSW, but it, it, it seems. Like the Ahsoka we see in the Mandoverse talking with Luke in, in the book of Boba Fett. She, she's what, Nick? She's very at peace. She, she's she's very centered. Yeah, accepted yeah, she, she, like she, what she, her role is in, in Exactly. Life. She, she doesn't seem lost. She doesn't seem like she's searching for something. So uh, apparently Ahsoka, the series, is going to kind of show us how they are going to, how she kind of comes to that inner peace. So, I don't know, man. It, it seems like some parts of Ahsoka may take place prior to some of the moments we've already seen in the Mandoverse, which oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for. Nothing yeah, wrong with I mean, that. it's going to be interesting just to see, like, from her perspective, the key moments in her life and, and the decisions that she made. And also get to see, like, what state of mind she was in prior to when we see her in the Mandoverse. Cause like we said, you know, once we see her with, with Luke and, and book, like she has kind of accepted her role in life and has come, come to peace with, with her past. But like, you have to imagine for somebody who was so like, who had gone through what she went through at such a young age and saw not only like her best friend and master become a monster but you also saw the galaxy itself fall to pieces right in front of your eyes and have a feeling that like I could have changed it. Um, living through these world between world scenarios and seeing that, you know, no matter what you did, this was kind of the fate of the galaxy and the fate of Anakin uh, would be kind of like a, a piece of solace to know that even though you, you know, you made a decision, it didn't really change the way that, the the galaxy would have played out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Uh, pretty Trevor's cool. got a good point. I mean, uh, how much explanation will go into WBW for general audiences? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they could probably do it in two or three minutes really without taking up too much plot. Uh, Cause they, they do make it pretty straightforward. It's literally, you go through a portal, you're in the world between worlds and every portal leads to another timeline essentially another moment in time. I mean, we, we saw, you know, Ezra was running through there. Once he pulled her out, uh, Palpatine shooting fucking blue fireballs through it, trying to get them. Cause Palpatine wanted access to the WBW. Yeah. Cause he, he could go through and do whatever he wanted. I mean, he, he could, he could grab, he could you know, just squish Anakin's head when he's a baby, <laughs> if he felt like it or, or Obi-Wan or any of them. So, um, yeah. But now I'm, I'm, it is, it is something to think about because we even in here, Doctor Awesome never saw Rebels. So when we're talking about multiple Sogas, it's like, oh, what, what are we doing here? But it, I, I promise you, 
for for time travel and and multiverses the world between worlds is actually in my opinion pretty straightforward in how it operates and they show you in rebels how it operates i mean literally ezra is the reason ahsoka makes it off of malachor because of the world between worlds um he he pulls her out yeah puts her back and we we see her leaving wounded but not dead and when you see her leaving wounded you're like well how'd she get out the, the, the temple literally crashed and burned. How'd she get out? But two seasons later, you you see she got out because of the WBW. And like like we've always been saying, clearly Thrawn and Ezra are going to be a big part of Ahsoka. That's her main mission. That's what she and Sabine were getting ready to do at the end of Rebels. So, yeah, World Between Worlds, Ahsoka, look at her logo. It, it all lines up. So I, I do think these rumors are spot on. Uh, to continue on, like we said, you are going to get Hayden. You are going to see him as Anakin. Uh, you're going to at least get that one Clone Wars era flashback on Mustafar, but with Ahsoka versus Kenobi. But it also sounds like we are going to get some Ahsoka and Anakin in live action Clone Wars era battles. Uh, maybe just doing their thing, kind of having fun, like from the series when, the, when, the, when they would get into uh, battle there. So it, it's all sound good. Like, you know, two weeks ago or last week, we talked about how uh, Ahsoka is probably going to at least introduce this idea of the new, new, the new beyond, new space, uh, but which makes complete sense if it's fucking around with the world between worlds, right? It, it ends with an S for a reason, worlds, uh, yeah, not multiple. world between worlds. So uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I uh, I do think Ahsoka, especially because it's it's Dave centric. Like this is Dave's baby. It's not John. Uh, Ahsoka is going to be just lore heavy, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it is going to scratch a lot of lore itches that, that fans of Clone Wars, Rebels, and obviously the Mandoverse, uh, they might not even know they have them, but it's going to scratch them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to bring up so many moments that are relevant to the time, like so many moments that are going to be relevant to the future of the Mandoverse are going to come from that show. Um, that like we really can't even like say how important they are yet because if if the Mandoverse goes in the way that we're expecting it to, where you have Thrawn entering as your primary villain, which obviously I think is well on track to do that now that um Lars Mickelson is going to be playing Thrawn in live action. We know that Ahsoka is going to continue her journey to find Ezra. We know that Sabine is going to come in and we know that, that, that essentially what we're working towards is an end game level kind of finale with, we assume Thrawn as the figurehead, as the, as the Thanos of that whole thing. Like this is going to be really like really the Ahsoka series. I feel like is going to be the one that sparks kind of that movement in that direction. So, Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's that's more or less what we're talking about, how it's going to be the first one to tease this this new space where Thrawn apparently has been hiding out or where he was sent to by the Pergils with Ezra. And then that will be expanded upon in in, in Skeleton Crew. What happens in Skeleton Crew, they're thinking, may affect what happens in Mando season four. So we are seeing it. I mean, I know Book of Boba Fett wasn't notable, but Jon Favreau himself said this is our third chapter of storytelling in this Mandoverse and Ahsoka is just going to be chapter five. So, and Skeleton Crew will be six, and then Mando will probably be seven. And as Nick said, unless this has all been scrapped now, all <laughs> this stuff is funneling towards a crossover event, just like they promised 
two years ago on stage when they dropped the roadmap, which has now been cratered a bit. Like most of the movies are dead that they announced in uh, New Republic. Rangers of New Republic died because of uh, Gina and all that shit. But I, I, they are still. And, and I honestly think Skeleton Crew, Nick, was a was the reaction to Rangers to of the Rangers, New Republic. Yeah, I yeah, think I, so, I, too. I do. I think, I think so. parts of that are at least I think they're they're at least going to offload the main thing that they needed to do with Rangers and, and oh, kind of put that there, which which was probably exploring this this new guys. new as I'm as I'm calling it. I mean, so. that is typically yeah. Rangers will typically go check out areas that are on right you know, on Discover, stuff like that. Uh, one quick thing, uh, Trevor, I hope they de-age him this time. I'm, I'm kind of there, but I guess they could get away with it. Technically, if it's more Clone Wars era Anakin than Padawan Anakin, because uh, I, I will agree in Kenobi when they did not de-age Hayden that much to put him back to rat tail Anakin. It was like, okay, you know, it was a little, yeah, it's definitely yeah, a little. like, <laughs> Hey, there's a few more wrinkles there than, than Hayden had back in his early twenties. Yeah. <laughs> but if they, now if, if, they, if it's the thick of the clone wars or you're like year two or the last year of the clone wars, year three, you probably could get away with it. Cause he's going to have that longer hair at that time. He's going to have the face scar yeah. And it probably won't be as noticeable, but yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, if they, if they can take Harrison Ford back to Indiana like, Jones three appearance and it looks great, let's go, you know, spend some money for Hayden too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So All right, dude. I think that, that covers those rumors there, but that, that one really got the internet going last week. And it's just, I, I still wish we knew someone at Reddit because Bespin Bulletin fan of the site, the dude definitely gets scoops, but he's got some sort of in on star Wars leaks. Cause somehow he's allowed to take making star Wars content and they post Bespin bulletins article on Reddit, which is against their rules, which I've never yeah, understood the I, rules over there anyways, but yeah, it I, does seem some accounts are, are favored by the mods and are allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. And it, it literally the guy gets so much traffic, his server seizes up on moments like this. But I can tell you right now, we had this out before Bestman Bulletin, as soon as MSW put it out, we had it out. But we are Reddit also, hates our guts. Yeah, we're like most of the internet. Reddit leaks, so, so why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else is new? All right, dude. That means it is time to get in. I must have been searching for jewelry these days. The holiday season is upon us, my friends. Because look at all these fucking ads I'm getting for <laughs> rings. Um, but we do it every week. You know, we got some new people here. Dr. Awesome, welcome to the show. I know, you know, it was a... It was a, a fun introduction to the Star Wars time <laughs> show for you. But look, you stuck around. You had some fun. Maybe you'll come back. But uh, the one reason to come back is every week, at least when we're on air, not next week, but uh, the other 50 weeks of the year, we have a dedicated fan segment. There's there's two wings of it. We start with the question of the week, which we post on Tuesday mornings at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram, both in the stories and our profile. And then we also have our top five Star Wars artists of the week. No babes in lingerie. It didn't make the cut. I had to archive it because everyone got angry at us. And I was just like, you know what? It's Sunday. I'm hanging out with the family. I don't need this shit. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and start with the question of the week. Let me get some screens switched around here, Nick, and then uh, yes, I'll intro it and do the first one or two, and then you take the rest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the question is up on the screen. It was a tough one. We always try to line it up with one of our topics so you can contribute to the conversation. So this week's question was, what is your favorite Star Wars moment of 2022? It could have been a particular announcement, a reveal, TV show moments. You had carte blanche uh, access to your response. So we got two in the story. First one from homie Rippick Tan here. Or Rippick underscore underscore tan. Let's get that correct. All right, so here we go. A great year for Star Wars fans. It's great to be challenged to go into a new style of show like Andor and love it for what it is. Seeing Boba survive the Sarlacc pit, Luke training Grogu and hanging with Ahsoka, Mando getting an N1, the Black Series really stepped up their action figure game. You guys had a great year, Tuesday shows. The excellent work from all the toy photographers, and I think my favorite Star Wars related moment was just having Hayden Ewan back together on screen again. There you go. <gasps> It sounds like he, he, it's almost like he was in our, our meeting for this segment. <laughs> I know, we, right? He hit a lot of good ones there. I mean, I'm, I'm not as much on the Black Series anymore. Uh, I've, I've tried to get my wall to break since I've crossed over to 1-6 scale. But pretty much everything he said on here, we had captured in our list. So Rippick Tan gets a gold star. Yay! Way All to right. go. He nails so it. So we're allowed, we're allowed to keep liking him because they're smart. Okay, <laughs> next is Roberto Calderon, uh, a.k.a. at Calro underscore Debro. Favorite moments, Grogu and the Rancor. Short and sweet, knows what he likes, likes what he knows. So that's what we're getting from Roberto. Thanks for the comment. Good sir. And Nick, the stage is yours. Lima Four Photos says, for me, it's when my daughter at 20 months old demonstrated that she could identify Grogu, Leia, Boba Fett, and <laughs> yes. Vader by name yes. and appearance. Uh, and Excellent. she could do this regardless if she's seeing them on a screen, as an action figure, or even in more abstract representations. That I, is, I, I that have is, to comment on this one real quick, because I think Lima's is in the chat for the first time. And he's easily one of our biggest super fans, if not the super fan in terms of always promoting, always commenting and, and leaving good words. But, uh, but I too, uh, you know, I still have a daughter, but she's almost going to be seven here in a few months. So, you know, the, the, the little cutesy stuff is all but gone, but I too remember these moments where, you know, I, I'd buy her the bath toys of Star Wars or we'd have the big picture books and I, I think she was like one and a half or two, just barely able to speak and actually form human language. And we'd be able to go, like we'd flip a page, be like, okay, where's, where's Luke Skywalker? And she'd be like, Luke, and point to him. All right, where's Leia? Leia. Okay, where's uh, an Imperial Guard? Right there. It's like, yeah. But Lima, I, I do have to warn you, and, and I don't really feel like I, I was like just jamming propaganda in her face. But but Star Wars is is all but gone from her her uh, days at this point in time at, at six and a half. It just I don't think she remembers much of the story because, you know, when we're little, we got mushy brains. We're just watching moving images. That's why they can watch the same shit over and over. So I, I do think there's a time where I am going to re-roll out the movie so she can actually watch them as a human being that can process thought. But uh, yeah, her her love and and passion for Star Wars just dried up extremely fast <laughs> once once she got into you know playing with little girls and the you know, little girls don't do Star Wars you know the the horrible shit that happens with little kids on a playground 
you know, boys telling her she can't like Star Wars and, and shit like that. So, um, but I, I, I love reading comments like this because I, I know what it's like to be a parent and, and feeling like, all right, my kid might like Star Wars just as much as me. This is going to be fun. I just got to give you a little bit of a warning, especially with the little ladies. They might not take to it like us dudes do beyond a certain age. So just be prepared. See, we'll uh, see if Lima's yeah. little one can can maintain the path of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to- Tones is a great point here. I mean, Tone has two boys. They're older, but I-, I-, I believe just one of his sons became a Star Wars nut. So it is as much as we try, as many toys as we buy and put in cribs and, and bathtubs. Those they're going to be people, too. Believe it or not, they're, they're going to start making their own choices, sadly. So, uh, but good, good comment here, uh, Lima. And always thank you, Vicente, for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you, Lima, for your response. Next up, 2797 Studios, Mr. Bat. He says, for me, it was Celebration. Hey, I was, was hoping my... we'd get one of these. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because uh, we did not go to celebration last year, but he says it was my first one. Love being around all the fellow fans, the announcements and casts. The cosplay was amazing. It was nice to be with like-minded people and meet all of these awesome people I've been in contact with along the way. Felt like home. The very wholesome, uh, yeah, wonderful response I mean, there. That to me, that's the only reason to go to celebration anymore is to be around other like-minded individuals. Uh, outside of that, it, 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 it's an ulcer producer for someone like me. When you're, when you're waiting for, am I going to get into the good panel? All right, if I get in, are, are we going to cover it? Are we going to talk about it? Should we post something about it? it? Really, the joy of celebration is just going there and chilling with other Star Wars yeah. nuts. I mean, the, the, definitely for, for us, I mean, I think some of the most memorable moments from celebration uh, where it's stuff that happened after the, the thing was over yeah. when we were all just hanging out after the show. So um, very fun. Yeah, don't moment. get me wrong. If you can get into one of the panels, yeah, like the, I, that'll always be a big memory. As much as the movie didn't end up being great, but being at the Rise, the Rise of Skywalker panel before it was even known as the Rise of Skywalker, getting the trailer, Ian there doing the, the Palpatine voice, that was amazing yeah. same for mando mando so, intro panel great stuff so. yeah so I, but if you can get into those great if not don't worry because the true joy celebration is just being there for three or four days around a bunch of other fanboys and girls yeah and, and believe it or not we 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 like the angry fans don't come out like you actually you're just there and you're enjoying it like you, yeah. you're not there debating whose opinion is is more correct than who's an idiot. So you have that too. There you go. And then the final response is from Tones1138. He's in the chat. I think he's still in the chat. I know it's getting yeah, he, late. He's, for he's another one of our, all, really, the, these last three, Bat, Tones, and, and Vicente, you know, if we, if we had a, our, our top fans of the year list, they would definitely be up there. Indeed, indeed they would. And, and our they, boy wants six shooter for all the conversation and anger he has provided in 2022. <laughs> oh, man. That's why they make that's why they make our closeout fan segment here. But Tone says far too many to pick. But seeing Fett escape the Sarlacc was a childhood wish of mine. So that uh, so it's definitely that moment for me. Happy holidays, guys! You do us all an outstanding weekly service in providing a top class podcast throughout the year. Thank you. Thank you, Tones, for always sticking around with us in the show when you can, even though we do it at odd hours and you're part of the world. 
Thank you to yeah. all of our fans who who come here. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's got to be like ten o'clock over there for him, ten or eleven <laughs> o'clock. So God bless people like Tones, and he he's got himself a new lady love after a, a few turbulent years of going through uh, some personal shit. So we're always happy for him. Uh, and if you are, if you're new here and you want to kind of keep the conversation going, uh, we only do one show a, a week, but we do have a discord that you can come in and, and I actively dip in there and out. Uh, it's really just kind of turned into a communication tool for tones, uh, bat and I, but we're, we're, we're down for more join in. We got the open link in our Instagram link tree, at least until Elon Musk bans links on Instagram too. Yeah, because <laughs> um, you're no longer allowed to link out to other <laughs> platforms on Twitter. <laughs> we'll I see how that. I did. Twitter is this uh, like you know outside of people losing their careers and and destroying their lives right before Christmas. Watching what's happening at Twitter is like a daily thing for me. It's just it's crazy uh, how this this place is being managed. But hey, it's it's fun to watch. I'm glad I'm not a part of it. Okay. <laughs> All right, my friends. I think that, nope, we're not done yet. What the hell am not, I doing, Nick? Get us not, back on track, good sir. Not done I'm losing yet. it. We, no, I'm not. We still I'm trying have, to rob you motherfuckers of some Star Wars time. <laughs> we still have one segment to go oh, before we shit. close it out this week, and that is the <laughs> top five Star That's Wars right. fan artist features of the week. We do this every week. Good this thing one Nick's runs, paying attention. <laughs> this one runs from uh, December 12th through December 19th of this year, uh, and we are... Closing out the year with a fun top five that gets kicked off with something from 97 Parsecs Photography. Before that, if you want to get uh, into this segment, make sure you use hashtag Star Wars Time Show on your Star Wars post. Tag us on your posts as well. Go to yes, ad, ad tag. tag. Very important. Not just yes. at Star Wars. Like literally do the ad tag and put yes. it because it, it's it's hashtags are useless yes so add tag star wars time show at star wars time show put star wars time show everywhere you can and then that way matt can see it it gets on his radar he or can share it the, nick the new trend is just slide into our dms and tell me how much we suck and how we should yeah. feature your work that's that, also that seems to be the new approach by that's few. also yeah. a good approach and hey <laughs> like we've said before you can tag us in uh, you know, your, your artwork, whether it be toy photography, anything, digital man. art, you can There's be always time. Yeah. It can be anything. Cosplay art, tattoos, ta a tattoo was featured last week. Uh, any type of art just, artwork. Just don't put hot babes on it, my man, yeah. or, or things get crazy. And honestly, there, so. <laughs> if you, if you are a female cosplayer that does it in a ton of clothes, no clothes at all, or however you want to do it, tag us <laughs> as well, because guess what? We can feature anything we want on our page. Oh, boy. Um, this, uh, <laughs> so this top what five. What is this? What are you calling this cosplay? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> this like, top What did five. I do? What oh, the man. fuck did I do to myself? You would imagine that a bunch of, of probably male-dominated Instagram followers would enjoy seeing a woman in her underwear wearing nope. a Mandalorian helmet, nope. but I guess not. not. I guess fans, that, that, was, no. that was very offensive right, to a lot of people. Burn my house down. <laughs> that was very offensive to a lot of people. So, <sighs> All right, man, so who we got? I, I'm, I always like when you get to pick, because I, I don't really get to see him. So it's kind of, yeah. even though I, I featured him initially, I, I like seeing who you pick for the fiver here. Indeed. So our for our top five for this week kicks off with at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography with a holiday themed rendition of the Mando verse. 
So what we see here is Mr. Boba Fett uh, wearing a, a Santa cap, holding a, a scale replica of his own ship, the Slave One. Surrounded by <gasps> you presents. said slave one oh, no, canceled now the fire spray whatever no, ship. no it's even better dude it's Boba Fett starship Boba Fett's he's he's holding <laughs> Boba Fett starship in his hands the scale replica in a nice snowy wonderland and we can see in the background Finnick Sean we can also see the Christmas tree topper is his father's helmet. I love Jango that. Fett's yeah. helmet. And, he, and further in the background, you can see his pet Rancor uh, attempting to open up his presents with his giant mouth. Um, I just thought it was uh, the, very... The, the Christmas tree is just killer. Yeah. Like, you, you got... I mean, it, it, it's, at first glance, it's like, is, is Mando back there wearing a Christmas tree? Is that nope. like his new best car? But it, then I look close. I'm like, no, that's, that's just his dad's dead head helmet. As the treetopper, it is. It is brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. Dude, I love it. It's just, it, it has such a good holiday theme. The snow really sells it. The background imagery with Fennec and then with, yeah. the, with the Franco in the background. It is cool. The like, yeah, that that miniature fun. slave one is great. Like Boba looking at it. It, it is fun. So yeah. uh, it, and 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography is doing Christmas stuff all week long. Uh, so make sure to check them out. I just got to make sure that I don't feature 97 parsecs too much because I've been yelled at about yeah. that recently too. So yes, apparently I'm not allowed to pick that him we too often. Also feature excellent toy photographers. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, uh, you got to remember, these are people telling me that toy photography is an art and that it can't be subjective and I should just shut the fuck up and share whatever they post. So, yeah, so. Uh, there we go. <laughs> this is what I subject yeah, myself to to get 16 people to show up on Tuesdays to listen to us. Yay. <laughs> I love oh. my choices in life. Moving on. All right. Next up is at press underscore pause underscore photography yeah. underscore again to close out his handle. And what we got here is a fantastic recreation shot from ROTJ episode six. The moment where Luke Skywalker pulls his lightsaber off of Palpatine's Can't take throne. it anymore. In, a, in an attempt to strike him down, but is stopped by his father's blade. It's a great close-up of Palpatine's nefarious face in between the two lightsabers crossed. Um, I mean, press pause is another just like banger killer of all things yeah, toy I mean, photography, it, it, and listen, this is a good I, example. I, I hate that I have to keep bringing this up, but we feature shit that looks good to us, and yeah. press pause does a lot of that, so they get featured a lot. It's not this hard stuff to looks out. good all the time. Yes. Yeah. So. This isn't the top five of people that just decided to post something. It's a top five for a reason. Yeah, that's that's how, that's how uh, right. top lists work. And, so. and listen, I, I've never featured my own shit because I don't think it's good enough. So it, it's 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 what I it's really what I like, and then what Nick likes of what I liked. That is that's how, how this goes. works. Okay, that's there you go. Goes. Just pulled back the cover in full. There we go. Now you know the full process. <laughs> of how it's like, to hey, I'm a human. That looks good. I want to share it with other people. Maybe they'll think it look. That's that's my thought process. There's no yeah. collusion. There's no oh, 97 posts. I got to post them again. It's like no, Nobody's they just post a lot of good off. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. trust me. If somebody wants to pay us to get in the top five, let us know. <laughs> but I don't think I, that that's I gonna gladly happen. take bribes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, at this point like, in time, on. are you kidding me? You could be the fucking host for a week if you pay us. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Let's go. So, yeah. so there we go. Top five for at press underscore pause underscore photography underscore for this awesome ROTJ remake uh, scene recreation shot. Uh, next up 
is another scene recreation from at articulated underscore plastic. And it is the moment from the uh, Book of Boba Fett where right. uh, heavy Mando and regular Mando, a.k.a. Din, and then what's his name? Paz, Paz Vizsla going at it. Paz holding the Darksaber, Mando using uh, his knife to try to get it back from him. It's the scene that we see in the uh, the the remaining bunker for the armor and uh, uh, articulated plastic did a fantastic job of recreating it, even down to the background details of that shot, which is very impressive. Yeah, yeah. This is a, the, the the scene we're talking about here. If you're just listening, would be when he gets excommunicated yes. during the the duel here, when he uh, essentially says, I, "I I took my helmet off." <laughs> yeah, it's like sorry. It's sorry. like fuck you, pal. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I dig it too. I think that background is actually cardboard. I believe that's an extreme sets, but, uh, then you got some atmosphere in there and the, that backlight backlight always helps a shot the pop. Uh, but I, I even like the, the posing and there, it looks like there's even some motion blur down there on the feet and on the Din's hand, the stabbing hand. So just a, you know, well-composed shot, dug it, it, it stood out. My eye picked it up and it got featured at articulated underscore plastic there we go good stuff next up in the top five this is at jesse bayerson bayer scene i'm not a hundred percent sure how to say it but it's j-e-s-s-e-f-e-y-e-r-e-i-s verizon 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 it's jesse verizon and what we see here is an awesome shot of is what i assume is red five and the Millennium yeah. Falcon zipping their R2's way through. back there, homie. You see him? You see his little chrome dome? Yes, I out? see him. Let's see him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now, like, you got to really look for it, but you can see R2. So this is Luke and Han zipping their way through the galaxy on their their flagship ships. And uh, they, I just think it was a great job of, of Jesse to, to put these two together. All practical. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a fantastic uh, piece with these two ships. Yeah, it is. It is great. And it's literally the dude went outside, used clear straws, stuck them in the snow, shot the shot, motion blurred the snow to give that feeling of, of speed, mm-hmm. and uh, tweaked the engine lights. So, I mean, just a beautiful, simple setup. Not a lot of, you know, not a lot of... Uh, pomp and circumstance and and these figures nick are, are babies there's like a new it's like a resurgence of the star wars micro machine line but i forget what they're called now like fleet something like that okay so these are like and, really really small yeah I, I i would say palm of the hand at best okay wow. maybe, maybe tinier if they are like for my era the true micro machines because that, that's one of the reasons i'm not collecting these new tiny vehicles because in my in my crawl space i have all of the star wars micro machine sets from the uh 90s and early 2000s so all the vehicles i have the play sets with like the little fucking microscopic figures i got hoth i got uh endor i've got uh, the death star you name it um but yeah i mean just kick ass shot i mean these are shots like dude Look what he's doing. He just walks outside and takes his time, sets up a shot, and here we go. And I, I just can't get convince myself to get back into the hobby without it feeling like a job. And it blows. Yeah. It's all these freaking toys sitting around. I mean, there, there are moments throughout the week, dude. I just want to get a laundry basket, do the whole arm bar across the table, slide them all in there, and just put a sign on it like $1,000, take sale. it. sale. 
Yeah, you just take it. Thousand dollars is probably worth three or four thousand, but just fucking get it out of my 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 field of view. All See right. if twenty twenty three can bring a renewed passion for toy photography for Matt. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we're, we'll I'm trying to get about. there. I, I I just had my uh, one six scale Captain Vaughn showed up right before showtime, so got another big boy to unpack and sit on a desk and let it collect dust and ruin it. <laughs> oh man. But anyway, to close out the top five for this week and for the final show of 2022 for the Star Wars Time Show, it is. This is another sh- great one. I, I don't know why. It, I just love this. It's 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 a like I don't I don't think anything about toy photography is simple. Let me put it that way. But it is a very easily concepted shot that's from at that underscore Kiwi underscore bookshelf underscore guy, which is a first time feature for sure. Um, and he's got. The 501 guys, and it's almost like a military unit picture. If you ever seen a like a picture, yeah, like they're in their school, barracks, and some dude was on their iPhone, right? Yeah, like it, like an old picture of a military unit all together in uniform. This is what we have here: the 501st together in the barracks, maybe right before they go out for a mission. They may be on a ship, but it's just the guys hanging out before time to fight. And I just thought it was a fantastic job. The work that it probably took Kiwi bookshelf guy to set all these little, little fellas oh, up without yeah. falling over is probably that's, took that's the time. trick right there, man. Like this might look simple, but getting these little dickheads to all stand up and not domino. That's, that's where the, that's, that's where the hard rating for this shot goes way up. Uh, it is great. It's like even the perspective, it, it makes them feel like, actual 501 cosplayers doesn't it like, yeah it, it does it, it, it mean, does feel like those are real people in clone trooper armor yeah yeah and i mean like it, if you if you didn't know that these were toys you could be like oh yeah this is this is like some like a cosplay yeah, it, it could be the 501st in new in new uniforms you know exactly exactly so, and uh, i like the variety of clones there i mean you got some bafs you got you know some arc troopers in there rex yep. is in there you got standard 501 clones visored clones unvisored clones it's just a it's a great little lineup shot so oh yeah oh yeah and that's at that key that underscore kiwi underscore bookshelf underscore guy that's the end of the top five and that's the end of our final show for 2022 we will see you in 2023 matt take us to the end of the show and my friends, he is not lying. This was our last show of the year. We're going to take next week off, but I'm not done yet. Don't worry if you're you know, a podcaster, if you miss some of the live stream and you want to listen to it on the radio or on your phone, I'll still get that for you tomorrow after I go get some blood drawn in my last physical therapy appointment of all time, or at least until I wreck myself again on the one wheel. But I, I've, I've made it. I've completed therapy. I can walk. I can run. I can jump. It all hurts like shit, but it's better than than not using my leg. So we're at least there. It's been a fun six months since June. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. But uh, Nick's Nick's not wrong. We're, we'll be taking next week off to just kind of enjoy the uh, post Christmas holiday with friends and family. But we will be back. Don't forget. In January, we're gonna do a one-time special schedule change. Our first show of 2023 is going to be on January 4th, a Wednesday. That day also happens to be Bad Batch Season 2 premiere day. So it's going to be the first time ever, really, Nick and I are going to go live 
only a few hours after new Star Wars hits Disney Plus. So uh, I'm excited for it. But you all shouldn't get that excited because it's not going to stay that way. The schedule will revert back to Tuesdays um, after that first week in January. Uh, so may the force be with you all. You all know it. There's always time for Star Wars time. I'm glad we had some new people in here, uh, even though they, they, they you know, caught a few rights and less when they, they came mm-hmm. in. I think they, they, they understood, like, hey, Star Wars time show. This place is kind of fucking weird. I might stay and hang out with these weirdos, and that's what we like. So if you do stick around, if you want to bring some more people to the party, don't forget to tell them StarWarsTime.net. That's the best place to find information and links to subscribe to the podcast on the internet. So StarWarsTime.net. Get yourself on the podcast platforms. Rate and review if they allow you. That is better than giving us cash. All right. We also got some YouTube info on StarWarsTime.net. Not to mention the content we post up in between shows every week. So you always know what the bros will be talking about on the latest edition of the SWTS. All right, people. Keep it real. It's been another great year. Nick, was it this? This is now. I think we've completed three full years of, yeah. as the SWTS because we made the, the initial decision to port at the end of 2018. So we were we were full on SWTS 2019, 2020, 2021, and now 22. So right. three full years of doing this shit. And we add about two new people a year. So I'd say <laughs> in 500,000 years, we'll, we'll have the audience we deserve. <laughs> and I'm, I'm here for that. All right, my man, you enjoy yourself, too. I won't see you for a couple weeks. I always miss when I don't check in with Nick. But we're going to have some fun. We're going to eat. We're going to do, do some meds. We're going to hang out. We're going to go do some shit, go to arcade. You never know. Play some games. But we'll be back rip-roaring, ready to talk Bad Batch. One, four, 23. Mark it down. 1423 Star Wars Time Show returns. In between then, you can find me in Discord. Hit our Instagram to find the link. All right, my friends, I will leave you as I always do. Two reminders. Remember, there's always time for Star Wars Time. Don't forget that. And the second thing to take with you is if you do listen to the Star Wars Time Show, it will indeed. I just fucked it up. <laughs> It will ensure, it will indeed ensure. It it will do something. No, if you listen to the Star Wars Time show, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.